Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers, we are soldiers Uh, 
I, I really never thought it was going <laughs> to. It's one of those things you never really think it's going to happen to you until it does. Um, but and I'll give a little bit more details about that later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely have to stand shoulder to shoulder unless you are of the Democrat Party who wants to try to throw all of their uh, the liberal goodies, and I say that with tongue-in-cheek when I say goodies, uh, until the stimulus bill that's supposed to help out uh, with people who are being affected by uh, the coronavirus, which is pretty much in some way or another affecting everyone. Uh, and so the Democrats, of course, would have put all their pet projects that they otherwise couldn't get passed through legislation into this uh, this bill that's actually supposed to help people. So uh, it's incredible how they're not sticking hand in hand, you know, shoulder to shoulder, as we like to say here in the show, uh, with uh, the American people. And we're certainly going to be focusing a lot of our discussion on that and other things tonight. Uh, and I do see uh, some folks already in the call. Uh, I do see uh, that Joseph is ready to chime in. We're certainly going to get you in. Uh, but I won't leave uh, things for long, too long. What I meant earlier, just a few moments ago, about you don't think it's going to happen to you until it does. Now, I don't have coronavirus or anything like that. I mean, don't worry about that, folks. Um, but I'm talking about work uh, is uh, my first attempt at someone trying to uh, adversely affect my employment uh, by reaching out on uh, social media for a post uh, that I did on Twitter. Uh, I, I made a post and had a little... Uh, back and forth with someone on Twitter, and, and they used uh, information from my Twitter to actually research me and find out where I work. Uh, that can no longer be done, uh, so that's been fixed. Uh, but I had to do some changes, which I was reluctant to do, and I haven't had to do in the hmm, eight years uh, that I've been on the show, but I unfortunately found myself in the position tonight uh, because of, of what it caused at my employment. Uh, very uh, very ticked off about it. Very upset. Uh, uh, so, I mean, you hear, you know, people saying that all they're trying to affect your employment. Uh, you know, you've heard Laura Ingram talk about it. You talk to Hannity. You know, now there's a difference. They're talking about their sponsors, but in, in a way, they are trying to affect their employment. But this person actually found out where I was employed and tried to uh, adversely affect uh, affect that, and it really ticks me off. You know, just over, you know, a little back and forth on. On Twitter, someone actually wants to take the time to try to not think about someone's family, and here we are in a crisis. And then you got people who can't who can't handle a, a little back and forth uh, barbing without damaging someone's ability to make income uh, for their family. So that's actually uh, finally happened to me. I didn't, uh, you know, after all these years, um, it, it finally did. I'm I'm not too happy about that. Um, and who knows? We'll see what uh, repercussions going to happen uh, to the individual who made the attempt, um, a failed attempt, uh, but attempt nonetheless. But, you know, but just uh, just enough to have to make me have to do adjustments as people in my position, you know, I guess in uh, the uh, spotlight, so to speak, uh, as others have had to. But uh, that literally just happened uh, today. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't belabor the point. The show is definitely not going to be about that tonight, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty upset about it, um, you know. So, but we'll 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 see what happens. I mean, I I, I I've already been contacted by my uh, employer about it, and you know they're a great uh, company to work for. They're a great company, uh, 
and so you know they just you know assist, you know assisted me and with some precautions um and you know some other things uh but you know the uh, their their attempts failed uh so maybe they'll just leave it alone uh but we'll see um but yeah it's it's kind of kind of something else uh i mean i got my first amendment right but this person tried to use my first amendment right to affect me putting food in my my family's mouth so hopefully there'll be some repercussions uh for that person that i i did re uh report uh their their tweets uh for their attempt because this was a twitter event um but we'll 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 see what happens you know with that i I haven't been barred from talking about it and said i can't talk about it i just can't give uh some details out um but anyway uh, be that of it may, I do see a couple callers. Let's go ahead and uh, get them in. Of course, we got some articles tonight. You can see uh, the uh, entirety of the articles that we'll, we'll refer to tonight from the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the newsroom page. And first, we've got our good friend from Hawaii. We'll get you on, uh, Joseph. And then from California, we have Suzette. But let's go ahead and bring in uh uh, Joseph, go ahead, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I am infuriated. I am besides myself. I'm trying to compose myself the best way that can be. But um, what I've been saying for weeks has finally come into fruition this week and is the proof in the pudding, and it's no longer a theory or a hunch, but it's a fact. The Democratic Party is willing based on their sycophant ideology. And the sad part is they truly, what makes them such a force, a dangerous force is because they truly believe in their delirious minds that what they're fighting for is the right cause. Uh, So did the Nazis, uh, which led to the Holocaust and over 6 million uh, Jews and other um, dissidents being... you know, being uh, uh, burnt and uh, executed and genocide uh, and over 50 million deaths that resulted of World <laughs> War II. And that's what makes them so dangerous is, is there's a difference from when you don't believe in a, in a cause, but you're using it for a, a political platform, or when you really do believe in a cause and you're willing to go to the depths of hell and heaven to achieve it at whatever cost. And that's where we are because here we have key legislation that needs to be passed immediately that should have been passed last week to uh, give economic relief to corporations, small businesses, which, by the way, by in doing so, it will help to prevent less layoffs and, and less corporations and small businesses from having to lay off their workers. And still, the bill is being litigated in the Senate, and it would still have to go to the House, and they still don't estimate that it would be passed until Friday. And here they are trying to get in their goodies that have nothing to do with the coronavirus package, Uh, funding the Kennedy Center, $25 million, Um, funding uh, wind and power soul companies, Uh, the Green New Deal, other things that I can go on in the litany. So, yes, I am enraged. And I was praying that my theory that I've been having for weeks would not be true, but but it is. And so 
here go. We have a big, we have a really big problem here. Uh, 9-11, we came together as a country. But you got to understand that the Democratic Party and their views uh, on 9-11 are completely different to today. Uh, and they were not sycophants back then. Um, and we should be coming together today as a country. And I even spoke to a few of my friends who are liberals yesterday, and one of them was so pissed off. He says, you know what? I don't give a damn about the left or the right anymore. I don't want this to be a political issue. We need help, and we need help now. Let's just make this about us. And I never thought I would hear the day of, of any one of my liberal friends um, saying that. Um, because, like I said, I'm not going to – I'm not going to stoop myself to the liberals of where they won't have friendships with people because you have different political views or different religious backgrounds. I, I, I was raised better. So, yes, I do allow all types of people with different political and religious views in my circle, pending they respect me, pending I know they're truly uh, good friends you can rely on. That's no problem. So, yes, I'm not ashamed to say I do have a few good liberal friends that, that do have good hearts. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the climax where we reached, Robert. Uh, I'll defer it back to you. But I, one more thing before I defer it back to you. I do have hope that most of the American people are finally seeing this for what it truly is. And the longer that this goes on, it's going to start hurting people. Don't, it won't matter what party they, they espouse. Once it really starts to really, really, really uh, you know, affect them putting food on the table or, or them being able to afford their mortgages or their rent, they're going to realize and they're going to look back at this point in history and they're going to say, I hate Donald Trump, but you know what? What he is trying to pass actually could have helped us. And the party that I missed all my life the party that swore to protect us and our best interests actually tanked us. I defer back to you, Robert. Well, and not to, and not to, Susan, I'll have you on next. It's the other folks on the line, push one, the number dial, get you to the show. I mean, and that's kind of what I was, you know, and that, I think that was a good segue into, what, you know, what I wanted to bring up is, I, and, and I was telling people the other day, I'm like, they are going to rue, and I'm talking about the Democrats, I think they're going to rue the day. What, what they're doing here I think this is even worse than impeachment What they try to do with the impeachment and, I, and, and that makes me wonder Once this is over And I think this is going to be over And I do think it will be over by July If not sooner uh, Hopefully we'll be able to start as, as Trump wants is To get the economy back going by Easter But I'm saying even if we get this going by July uh, And that's when people really Really you know, start paying attention To uh, the election is that I think almost on a daily basis, the Democrat Party are making commercials not only for the Trump campaign, but for the House of people running for the House of Representatives all across the country. And, and what I mean by that is exactly what you were pointing out to, and I said that's why I said it was a good segue uh, into about is I, you're right. The more they do this, the more the American people are going to say. Who are these people? What the hell do they stand for? Who the hell do they care about? I mean, this is something that's supposed to be about, you know, helping out 
people mostly affected by the coronavirus, and they're trying to put all their pet projects in here, you know, that otherwise they couldn't get it get get it paid for. I mean, who are these people? How can they, um, you know, you know, how, how can they say they're for the American people when you know they have this opportunity to prove it and they don't? And then you have Biden coming out. And I think that's one of the reasons why they don't want to have Biden on so much is that – and why they're not carrying Trump. Through my understanding, uh, the alphabet media, as I like to call them, are not uh, carrying you know, Trump's uh, day-to-day uh, report, I guess you can say, is that – well, my thoughts on that are is that every day you have him out there, look how – not only look how presidential the president – Trump is looking. Here's the thing I, I like, might even scare the Democrats even more. Because they already are like Cuomo preparing him for like 2024. But there's another person who I've been very impressed with, which I didn't like, to be honest, when he first came onto the scene. And that's Pence. I was not a very good Pence. I was not a fan of, of, of Vice President Pence. When he first came on, I thought Newt Gingrich would have been a much better, uh, a, a much better VP pick uh, than Pence, and maybe even still would have been. But uh, the more I see Pence, the more impressed I am with him, and and the more presidential he looks too. I mean, if you watch him, you know, at these press conferences, and, and guy in 2024. And I know I'm kind of going off a little tangent here, but this guy in 2024, he could run for president. I, I, you've heard me say on the show, I know people are long term listeners, said, eh, Pence ain't going to run. There's no way Pence is going to run in 2024. You know what? I, I could be wrong. I could very well be wrong because I think he's, feel, he's getting his feelers out there. Like, yeah, this is what it is to be president. And you know what, whereas he may have – I'm just speculating here, but whereas he may have been like, eh, maybe not. You know, maybe I don't want it. Maybe I'm not ready for it. This guy in four years – of course, Trump getting reelected, but he very well may be ready to, to fill in the shoes for Biden. Because then people are like, are like, who after Trump? Who after Trump? It's not going to be Pence. I don't know if I feel that way or think that way anymore about Pence. I think he very well may be able to pick up the reins uh, of Trump if you know, Trump, of course, get reelected. But I think he can pick up the reins in, in 2024. Uh, and I think just the more he's out there, the more I'm, I've been impressed uh, with Pence. And you guys know that I, I never really was a big fan of him. Um, uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and get to that on. I see a you know, bunch of callers on. Again, just push the one on the number down. We'll get you in. Uh, but uh, thank you very much, uh, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you. And I hope all of you are healthy and well as you know, to be at the moment as well. <laughs> and, yes, thank um, you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we all have to look out for each other and make sure we're doing all right and reach out when we're not. So, um I think that the, what the Democrats are doing is absolutely despicable. Why do they keep cheating the media, cheating the American people? Just when they announce, we've reached a deal. And then at the 11th hour, no, we haven't. <laughs> Even though the Republicans gave in to a lot of their 
agenda items that really kind of pissed me off that nobody had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, enough gumption they gave to, a good deal. to say no. Yeah, you know, that they're like, all right, if we have, that's what it's going to take to pass it. It's like, no, no, don't do that because it's never going to be enough. And there's proof right there because it's not. Now they want more. And so mm-hmm. the Republicans, idiots, just, you know, shot themselves in the foot because now they're going to look like the bad guys. And uh, and the thing isn't going to get passed. It's not even a matter of good guy, bad guy. It's a matter of, hello, people need the money. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so um, the things that they're asking for are absolutely ridiculous. Why don't they just do a clean bill? Even if they did it piecemeal-wise, let's fund the American people. Done. Let's fund small businesses. Done. Let's fund the corporations or banks or whatever it is that they needed to do next. Done. Okay. Now what else is on the table? That's what they should have done. Well, and, <laughs> well, and, and, well the thing is, is I mean, they got to go to their special interests, which I find interesting, and I'm not going to prolong this and then bring it back to you, that, but I, I do find it interesting, and, and of course we know the Democrats are masters at projection, whereas they always try to put it on the Republicans and say, you know, that, you know, oh, well, you know, they're in the pockets of special interest, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all, and remember the big, the big hoopla, you know, just what, two, three days ago, it's a slush fund, it's a slush fund to the corporations, it's like two things, one, He's the one, you know. He's the one who employs most of the people, corporations, and two, you know. And I don't know any poor people that ever hires anybody, but um, and two is that these are loans. They're loans. It's not a slush fund. How is this loan a slush fund? Uh, But anyway, go ahead, Susan. No, no, you're you're on a roll. Go with it. I I was pretty much finished. I wanted to get into that article. And and so yeah, I mean, it's not a slush fund. It's, It's they're loans. You know, I mean, I, I tell you what, you know, there's a big difference between a slush fund and a, and, and loans. Uh, and kind of getting case in point, you know, I do got some articles, uh, you know, we'll read through tonight. But, uh, you know, first what I got here, of course, your uh, – and this one's even interesting. We haven't brought this up yet. And this, of course, again, you can find it the, um, the, the article from the Bard's Logic Newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Go to the newsroom page, and there you have it. It says, um, Pelosi stimulus – this is from Bart- Breitbart. It says, uh, Pelosi stimulus bill imposes nationwide ballot harvesting without any limit. And this article it's – a, it's a couple of days old. It's the 23rd of March. Uh, but this one, it says, Speaker of the House. Nancy, and when did she become a senator? Can anyone tell me when she became a senator? Because I mean, is, wasn't the bill in the Senate at this point? What, what she got to do with it? But anyway, I digress. Um, it's a Speaker of the House, and she really needs to know her title. Um, you know, she's not the leader of the Senate. But anyway, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's new stimulus bill would mandate nationwide ballot harvesting, allowing party operatives to return other people's ballots to polling places without any limit on the number of ballots. Ballot harvesting will lead to life in, guess where? California. <laughs> in 2016. Uh, and first used in the 2018 midterm elections. Hmm. I, I, I put in that, not the article. But anyway, uh, it, says it allows anyone to drop off someone else's mail-in ballot at a polling station. There is no process, process for vetting or verifying those delivering the ballots. 
no background checks or identification requirements. Democrats dropped hundreds of thousands of ballots off at polling stations in 2018, helping Democrats as they flipped seven Republican seats. Another, as I would put it. Uh, the practice is illegal in most states, <clears throat> of course, California. I added that in. Largely because of its susceptible to fraud, of course, and intimidation. Republicans were caught flat-footed in 2016. They experimented with the tactic in recent special elections only to find that their voters animately refused to give their ballots to strangers. Yeah, yeah, think. Democrats are more open to the practice. Of course they are. Often because the harvester previously registered the voter, according to the Republican National Committee, Sean Steele. California's ballot harvesting law has yet to be challenged in court. Kelly, come on, help us here. No. And one reason is one reason that California remains a one-party state with little prospect for change in the foreseeable future. Pelosi wants that system nationwide. Hmm. And I wonder why. Anyway, says her bill released Monday afternoon provides that every state, A, shall permit a voter to designate any person to return a voted and sealed absentee ballot to the post office, a ballot drop location, tribally designated buildings, or election office, so long as a person designated to return the ballot does not receive any form of compensation based on the number of ballots that the person has returned, and no individual group or organization provides compensation on this basis, and B, may not put any limit on how many voted and sealed appetite ballots and designated persons can return to the post office, a ballot drop location, tribally designated buildings, or election office. Hmm, I now wonder why they want it to be unlimited. In other words, <laughs> paid party yeah. In other words, paid party operatives can literally truck thousands and thousands of ballots to the polls, provided they earn a salary or fee and are not paid by the ballot. Uh, is this practice uh, is is a practice that is known in third world countries called hmm, ballot stuffing. Yeah, take it to the Democrats to learn from the third world countries. And it's outlawed in every democracy, no matter how poor, even in countries where the physical and administrative obstacles to voting are far greater than the world's most developed economy. And Pelosi's condition for saving the U.S. economy from the coronavirus. Uh, so, again, this, the, the stuff they want to do has nothing to do with the coronavirus. Again, and I hate repeating things that other people say. You all know that. But once again, you have, you know, the people taking advantage of a crisis. No, don't let any crisis go to waste. Uh, but before we bring Kelly on the line, did you want to make any comment on that article, Joseph, and then do that? Uh, yes, yes. Actually, um, I would. So, um, you know, based on the uh, the article that you you have read, uh, if I were to best summarize it the best, um, uh, I'd, I'd I'd have to say that um, 
you you were saying uh, initially on the show that uh, you think uh, that the economy would be okay if it went back in, in July. Um, but uh, all the major economists are saying that we won't survive if this goes on a, a few months longer. Um, so, um, you know, uh, we need to get this economy going. Uh, we need to get this economy going really quickly. Uh, the cure cannot be worse than the problem, like our president said. And um, I have faith. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying false hope, but I do have faith that uh, the right side shall prevail. And um, Suzette made a valid point, and I'll leave it with this so you could go on to the next caller. Um, which, by the way, Suzette, welcome back to the show. You, you are indeed a breath of fresh air, and I mean that sincerely. Um, I think this time it's not going to fall. Uh, I don't think Republicans are going to take the fall for this because it's very clear that the American people, left, right, center, they can clearly see that the things that were proposed by the the uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi has n- it's not even remotely close to so far fetched that it has nothing to do with with coronavirus. Uh, and uh, I'll leave you with one more thing you may want to bring up later in the show. One of the major concessions Republicans are going to give up on is allowing people to make more money on unemployment than what were their current salaries before the coronavirus. (laughs) What's the motivation to go back to work? (laughs) Exactly. And that is crazy, but I also think that the Republicans have a sense of urgency that they need to pass something and they need to pass it now, and it's a choice between the lesser of the two evils. And one more idea Instead of um, unemployment being double of what you make in a salary, maybe what they should have proposed to offset it uh, and done this on a case-by-case basis was depending on each person's situation, not a government-size-fits-all, maybe offset that by freezing mortgages and freezing rental payments as an offset, but put it for a temporary maybe 30 days and then reassess it without having to double the unemployment, which is, which, is, which is crazy if you think about it, because it's just going to incentivize some of the people to want to stay home and say, well, I don't got to work. I don't have to work. So I'm hoping the Republicans will put a contingency time frame on that and not just leave it open the way Dems want to do. The Dems want it to be open so that people can indefinitely stay home. <coughs> Well, at least until November, right? They want people to stay home at least until November because then the Democrats can have actually have something to try to campaign on. We kept you with money by doing this. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's their- I guess I got literally all I literally got all choked up. So I'll go back to you, Robert. And like I I, I mean that literally, <laughs> and I do apologize for the viewers on the air, but the- maybe that's God's uh, <laughs> God's uh, way of saying uh, you know. <laughs> this is just too much to stomach. Uh, I go back to you, Robert. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that, Joseph. Of course, your line's going to be on. But go ahead and see that, and then we'll like up to two comments there myself, uh, and then Kelly. Uh, you know, well, the, article, the Democrats. It, it, go ahead. The Democrats. Oh, sorry. The Democrats like to um, do guilt by association and relationship by association or anything by association. So I guess it could be also true for them. 
So the reason why Nancy Pelosi feels like she's a part of the Senate is because she has Senator Schumer's nuts in her purse. So there you go, by association. <laughs> yeah, she's got something of his in her purse. Um, <laughs> so let's go ahead and um, – gosh, I was, I was going to make some comments. It's been such a long day. But let's go ahead and bring Kelly in. Uh, thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, good. Chisky County, been cold, getting a little snow lately. Beautiful uh, place huh. to live, by the way. All right. Um, yeah, I got some. I want to start with the good news, and I want to go to the bell harvesting, the attempt by Nancy Pelosi. Okay, fine. Um, but here's some really good news, okay? This is from WorldNet Daily, which they've been around since, I think, the 90s. Uh, alternative media, but I find them to be very credible. Um, doctors claim I treated th- 350 coronavirus patients with 100% success. Okay, so we go into the article. A physician in New York State claims he has used the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine and zinc to treat 350 patients for COVID-19 with 100% success. I'll try to say that again. Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, say that three times real fast. Okay. Um, <laughs> and a video posted on YouTube, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. Oh, no, he's in co- co- collusion with the Russians. Okay, okay. He's American probably second. <laughs> Russian <third>. asset. <laughs> no, no, he's a Russian trying to help the Americans. All right. And a video posted by <clears throat> on YouTube, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko said he saw the symptom of shortness of breath resolved within four to six hours. And uh, <clears throat> he lives about 50 miles north of New York City in Kiris Joel in Orange County, New York, Hudson Valley. And he's quoted as saying, I'm seeing a tremendous outbreak in this community. He said, my estimate is more than 60% currently have the infection. Of course, it takes a few, two to three weeks for this to co- come about. So... Um, that's based on the percentage of the tests that I'm getting back already. Zelensko has in COVID tests, firm positive, 60%. Uh, it's probably around 20,000 people, probably more, uh, meaning possibly in his county. And so it's pretty exciting. And uh, Trump hinted about this, uh, was it last week, I believe? And then there's other nations that are having success. This is from the World Net Daily article. Um, France, China, Australia have also been having uh, some positive results on this. And Dr. Oz, you know the famous Dr. Oz. Uh, Dr. Oz is called chloroquine or chloroquine, the biggest game changer of all, the potential of preventing the U.S. from becoming like Italy. So they're going to try to do some more critical trials. Uh, 10,000 units are going to be distributed in New York State and uh, but basically, they're seeing uh, within six days, they have a 100% success rate with other uh, forms of this combination. This is the China-Australia-France combination of chloroquine and zithromycin. Uh, they had 100, in six days, they found a 100% success rate. So I'm very optimistic. <laughs> uh, another doctor, okay. So you go through, it's just really exciting. Hey, this whole thing may be handled, may be managed a lot quicker than what we were seeing. And so, and, and by the way, the reason why the CDC is, is so concerned about this is because it's an animal 
to human virus. The normal virus is uh, flu, winter time, human to human, human to human, DNA, and all those things. But this is an RNA-based animal to human, which the swine flu, 1918 and 1920s, um, it was an animal to human jump, and over 30 million people died. Some people were dying within 14 hours, 12, 14 hours. It was really nasty back then. So I think the CDC has some legitimate concerns, okay, except, well, compared to other H1N1 and other types of viruses, the numbers aren't making sense in comparison. All right, but anyway, back to, oh, my gosh, we're in a state of emergency. Let's pass all sorts of – let's pass our agenda now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Let's have uh, – uh, ballot harvesting? No, that's not what they call it. It's called ballot collection and ballot collection centers. Yes, we want people to take their mail-in ballots and they want it. Oh, they've kind of forgot or they need a little nudge to vote. Yes, let's get the voters to – we need more people voting. So let's just allow ballot harvesting. I'm sorry, ballot collection. California already has it. But they're going even more so into it by executive order by our beloved Governor Nunes. I used to say beloved Governor Jerry Brown. Now I have to say beloved Governor. I don't know who beloves him, but beloved Governor Nunes <laughs> has basically <laughs> has put in his emergency executive orders that um, we're going completely vote by mail. That's the difference. Completely vote by mail in California. Now, maybe the legislature will help him change his mind. Oh, whoops, can't do that because it's Democrat. And so when you have vote by mail, absentee, you know it's vote by mail. Um, when you have vote by mail, then you start having these ballot harvesters. Ah, darn it, I did it again. Ballot collectors. And so uh, there's a pastor in Southern California, San Bernardino County, Jack Hibbs, his church became a Ballot Collection Center. Now, the potential for corruption here in this whole thing is mind-blowing. When Acorn did all sorts of things, and they got a little hand slap, just a little hand slap. You know, most of them got uh, community service. They were already doing community service. All right, so they got um, – or no, I'm sorry. They weren't doing community service. They were doing community organizing. All right, so – the the uh, you know some people went to jail for I don't know a few weeks call it done in Acorn oh and they changed their name and they had the mail list and pretty soon they started up again at a different corporation so you see the propensity of people to cheat oh let me help you grab your ballot oh you're a Republican I think I'm going to throw that away so this um, complete vote by mail and ballot harvesting in California gee it worked pretty good and now Nancy Pelosi wants to make this a federal thing. All over the country. Gee, does that concern anybody? Does anybody else? Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously, uh, obviously, people are getting this potential, but the Republicans are standing up to them. So, at least we can. Anyway, I, I see the potential clear as a bell. Back to you. Well, yeah, definitely. They're just trying to, you know, do anything because they know it's going to be easy to. You know, you know, cheat on that. I mean, and that's another thing. They're always like, oh, but the only way that Trump can uh, can win the election is if he cheats. <laughs> and it's like, are you serious? 
you know, and when you're, you're going to try to do something like this, like everybody mail in the ballot and anyone can just hand them in, it's ridiculous. And, and also speaking, uh, we'll, we'll take this a little bit further, but, you know, we'll spend the whole show on it. But uh, here's some other things that were in uh, in that bill, or at least, you know, what they wanted to have in it. It's uh, the, at least the, the, the 1,100-page bill that they, they were wanting to have, right? And uh, this is a pollution coronavirus stimulus bill mentions diversity. 32 times, the 1,100-page bill would force all corporations receiving aid to fund inclusion initiatives for at least five years. The word diversity appears 32 times in the coronavirus relief bill House Speaker Nancy Pelosi unveiled on Monday. Pelosi released her plan as critics questioned the priorities of Democratic lawmakers facing the Chinese-caused pandemic. Uh, Senate Democrats voted Sunday to block a coronavirus stimulus package worth up to $1.8 trillion, guys, and continued voting down procedural motions on the bill Monday. Democrats in the upper chamber were reportedly upset that the legislation does not do enough to increase fuel emissions standards for the airline industry and to provide additional tax credits to promote wind and solar energy. And, and, and people on the show know I, I, I promote solar energy, but this is not the bill to do it. But anyway, it says Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, said Senate negotiations over the relief package were going well until Pelosi, Senator Pelosi, I'm <laughs> I put in the senator part, until Pelosi imposed herself on the process. A Democratic obstruction gave the House Speaker time to introduce her own coronavirus relief package in the House. Uh, or maybe this was AOC and the uh, her cohorts uh, bill. But anyway, uh, at more than 1,100 pages, the Take Responsibility for Workers and Families Act is in keeping with the controversial comments Major Majority Whip uh, James Clyburn reportedly made on a conference call with Democratic lawmakers last week. And I'm sure you've heard this quote already. It says, this is a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to set our vision, said Clyburn, in a reference to the drafting of the House Democratic response bill. The Pelosi bill focused on diversity, for example, more than one might expect for an emergency economic relief package. The plan includes a section on improving corporate governance through diversity that aims to ensure that corporate boards reflect the diversity and perspectives of the communities and consumers impacted by the hardships due to the coronavirus disease. The world inclusion appears 14 times in the text of the bill. One section of the Democrat House bill titled Diversity Report would establish a congressional well, – why don't these guys do anything but oversight? Is that all they want to do is, like, be big brother and look over things? But they say, would establish a congressional oversight panel requiring any corporation that receives federal aid related to coronavirus to provide diversity data to Congress. The panel would establish a report on its findings the following year. The required data would include demographic information about the corporation's employees and board members in terms of race, gender, and ethnic identity. Uh, The panel would also demand demographic data on the corporation's suppliers, service providers, consultants, and various financial institutions utilized by the company. 
the, quote, diversity report section also requires companies to compare the salaries of employees based on gender and race and furnish information on the number of staff and budget dedicated to diversity and inclusive initiatives. Furthermore, the House bill states that all corporations receiving federal aid must, quote, must maintain officials and budget dedication dedicated to diversity and inclusion initiatives for no less than five years after the disbursement of funds. Why five years, folks? Hmm, is there anything, is there any magical time that's going to happen about five years from now? Oh, that's right. There might be another president, and in their hopes, a Democrat president, who will then make sure that these initiatives, in my you know, opinion, carry on. But anyway, the, anyway it says the House, meanwhile, is not even in session right now. It would, remember, this was two days ago. It would not be able to cast votes on the legislation in the coming days, so any bipartisan deal on stimulus package is almost certain to be hammered out in the Senate. Decision to inject herself into the conversation at even talking heads at MSNBC, huh, asking, what was the point of that? And warning the Democrats' risk of overreaching, wow, and demanding left-wing policy items are not a part of the coronavirus, while even some of the alphabet media are actually saying, uh, yeah, right, guys, and why are they doing let, let me think about it. You think they're doing that? You, you think the media? You think MSNBC is saying, "Hey guys, you're overreaching. Uh, this isn't part of the coronavirus crisis." Do you think it's because they want to help the people and be like, "Yeah, you shouldn't do that"? No, because at least they know that people are going to be like, "Um, what the hell?" As we said earlier in the show tonight, "What the hell is that stuff doing in there? What is it going?" <laughs> Why? It, it, shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be in there. And, and, and the American people are going to see it. And the media, they're not dumb. They're going to know that the American people are going to see it. And then they're, try, they're actually trying to warn the Democrats. That's what they're doing. They're not trying, hey, don't overreach because of the people. You know, they're saying, hey, be careful because now the people are going to vote for you in November. But uh, I haven't had time uh, to do any green rooming until getting the names of folks. Uh, so I'm getting ready to open up the mic for uh, area code 605. So get ready. You're going to be on the line here in a few moments. Uh, so I'm getting ready to open up your mic. Again, I didn't have time to get names for green rooming or anything of that nature. But let's go ahead and open up uh, 605. If you could uh, give us your name and the state you hail from, appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Okay, Bob, this is Joe from Montana. How are you doing? Hey, Joe, great to hear you back. How you been? Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. I have a question. Something has confused me. Now, I was listening to some of the conservative uh, pundits today, and they were talking about the provision in the the so-called relief bill in which workers get, let's say, up to $1,000 a week. Um, Now, part of their unemployment insurance. For about four weeks, a week, yeah. This is wow. something that Lindsey Graham is concerned about. Let's say, for example, he used his state of South Carolina, whereby um, he knows one particular person getting three hundred twenty-six dollars a week, and as a result of the bill, they will tack on six hundred more dollars to that to make it nine hundred twenty-six dollars a week. 
And what he's concerned about, and which I'm concerned about, but which isn't uh, the topic of my uh, of my uh, issue right now, is that people will be paid more to stay home than if they work. Yeah. Now that's a serious concern. Now, here's the part that I that confuses me. Um, he, either he, and I know Mark Levin was talking about this, is that now because of that. People who own bars and restaurants who might be a little bit, uh, you know, the profit margins are kind of thin, they're going to think, well, I've got 50 people on my payroll. Let me furlough 25 of them so that 25 of them can get this particular benefit. And I'm asking myself, well, a furlough means leave of absence. If you furlough, your particular employees so that they can get these unemployment benefits, how does that benefit the restaurant owner when when their employees are not showing up for work? So somebody, can somebody explain that to me? Yeah, who wants to take a stab at that one? (laughs) Go ahead, Suzette. It sounds like you want to chime in on that. Oh, no, I was just saying it doesn't, it, it doesn't benefit the employer unless the employer is getting a cut. Ah, hmm. That certainly needs to be looked into. Okay, that's <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but at the same time, that cut has to be worth the employee not showing up and taking care of the customers. So that has that's to be kind too. of a hefty cut, and I don't know, and I don't know if the employees will go for that. Well, if you have to have so, which um, there are, then then you can do that because even though they're on furlough on paper. They could still be bar- bartending and waitressing for tips, and still be making money. Yeah. On so you're saying they're actually showing up for work, but not getting paid, but getting the getting paid from tips. No, I'm saying on paper they'll show up at furlough, but they'll actually be working, and uh, and still receiving their check from their government because, as far as the government's concerned, they're furloughed. They'll just be paid under the table for working, so they'll still be working, but hmm. they'll be splitting the money with the owner. Oh, okay. Hey, oh, okay. How the heck are they going to monitor or enforce that? Yeah. I, I beg to differ. Yeah, that I can because understand. Robert, if I may, only Robert and uh, Joe, nice to meet you. I'm Joe from Hawaii. I actually work in the tip industry, and uh, that's that's my job that's on hold. I work for a nightclub. So I get minimum wage, and I'm also tipping. Um, mm-hmm. So I may have a different perspective on that because I've been doing this since uh, July of last year. Uh, Joe, to answer your question, I don't see how that proposal is even conceivable or how it would work. Because A, number one, first of all, for the bars and clubs to make money, they need patrons. Without patrons, uh-huh. there's no one to buy the drinks. There's no one to pay the cover, so it would be impossible in in that type of scenario where uh, workers would work uh, if there's no patron. If if, uh, the governor uh, of Hawaii two days ago stated now he's shutting down the entire state till April 30th. So uh, either way you would look at it, uh, whether the owners would get a cut or not, owners can't get a cut from anything if they're not making a profit, and the only way we profit is getting patrons coming in that door. And if the patrons are not coming in that door, then we have a serious problem. 
Our bread and butter relies on how many people show up, how many people pay the cover to get in. That covers the bouncer's expenses. How many people pay at, at the bar? That covers the bartenders, you know, and, and, and it's kind of like the domino effect around. So I see a lot of these outlandish proposals, but I'm also left mind-boggled like you, Joe, in like, okay, that's great. They're proposing that, but how is that even conceivable to put together? It, it, it's not even realistic. It's not even it's not even pragmatic. So uh, I, I'll go. I'll defer back to you. Well, but, it's uh, not. Joe, yeah, it's the not if the um, well, it's not if you know if customers aren't going to show up. But of course, what they're implying and without saying explicitly is that the restaurant is now open as a result of the provision within the relief bill that's going to go to the owner as well. They're going to have enough money. They're going to be allowed um, to open up get their um, laborers back, and now, as a result of the provision of the bill, they can now furlough these particular laborers. But I like um, Suzette's um, under-the-table <laughs> type of solution because it's illegal, and I wasn't even thinking about the illegality of it. <laughs> well, it's just, these are the things that could happen, but the, the fact that right now people are hurting for money, I doubt that it would happen. Um, they would just be grateful to uh, have something to to keep them going. But um, to address the part of the bill that Robert was uh, reading about, talking about these companies being uh, having oversight, and that the companies that those companies work with have you know will be checked out too. Well, what about the companies that work with those companies and the companies that work with those companies, and so on and so on and so on. So before you know it. The federal government will have complete oversight over every country, every um, company. It's a control, complete control issue. And so between the voting, <laughs> mail ballots, and this whole oversight thing with companies, the strings attached to their, you know, to the money. Yeah, they they planned it out pretty good. You got to read between the lines a bit further. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm hoping people, not just on this show, but every everywhere, um, Democrats included, will pick up on the fact that these kind of proposals aren't just a result of stupidity from a, a demented Pelosi. This is directly and deliberately done to control the entirety of the United States, and I'm hoping people will mm-hmm. wake up to that because Big Brother is here and on steroids. Yep. Well, and I think they are. I mean, you know, as I was stating earlier tonight, you know, as, as I've been spending maybe too much time on Twitter, but no. <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, the person who's trying to get who tried to get me in trouble at my work thinks so. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I, and one of the big reasons, I mean, because right now, I mean, Facebook, what I and I've been on the. Multiple social medias, and and I was spending a good deal of time on Facebook. But right, I mean, in my experience, Facebook now being, and I'm not trying to bash Facebook. I mean, and I'm not saying inside. I think it's a good place to, to to meet with with folks to like plan things. Like I think Facebook would be a great place to to plan a rally, you know, to support the president or something like that. I think Facebook would be a great uh, platform for that. Uh, but when it comes to kind of getting the pulse of the people. Uh, I don't know if it is because, you know, on, on both sides, I mean, it's kind of become an echo chamber, you know. I mean, even if you go into one of those quote-unquote debate groups, 
you know, that you soon, you soon realize, and it's mostly liberals, you soon realize that those debate groups really aren't debate groups. It's just, hey, I'm going to bash you over the head, uh, you know, with what we think and, you know, I'm bashing Trump. And if you, and this happens a lot on Twitter, is, you know, and if you don't, and if you disagree with me, you're either a moron, a bot, or, some, or a Russian asset. Um, not, that's big on Twitter. I mean, if you disagree with somebody on Twitter, you, uh, you know, to a liberal, you're either a bot, you know, a moron, a bot, or a Russian asset. That kind of seems to be the going thing with that. Okay. What if you're uh, all, but anyway, what if you're all, what, what if you're all three, Robert? Uh, let's see. Uh, um, yeah, so how would you put that? You a moron, a moron bot. Yeah, that's a Russian asset. A Russian asset. That's a moron bot. I don't know. But uh, if it's a moron well, bot. It's, it's, I'm just trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be funny. I I know. I'm just trying to find all the different word combinations uh, for those three. That's all, Kelly. So, but no. But anyway, I mean, I feel like you know, you know, to, to get the pulse of the Amer- you know, of, of people. Is that you know? I, that's why, at least for me, that's why I pay more attention to Twitter than anything else. But, um, and I know, and I think more and more, I see more and more people who are questioning what's going on. Like, well, this don't make sense. And they're like, we, we know what you guys are doing. I mean, you, you you're so now in the way that the Democrats are transparent. They are showing what they really stand for, and who they really are, and who they really uh, support. And it's certainly not. And I think they've proved this. It's certainly not the American people. It's it's not. And, and as you stated, uh, Joe, it's like I think that more. I do. I think more more and more people are saying this and are seeing this. And I said, uh, you know, the people before. I'm like, look. I'm like, when we get out of this and get out of this, we will. And it'll be now. And it'll be great. I mean, it'd be great if we could start bringing the economy back. You know, by Easter, now as people who are long-term listeners, you know, on the show, you know I'm not a religious person. I'm not. But I would find it absolutely fascinating, <laughs> absolutely fascinating, um, and, and I think there would be a benefit. If we were able to do that by Easter, I mean, it, things would just explode, um, you know, on that because, you, I mean, you got the, the talking heads who are saying that Trump's just trying to – you know, cater to the uh, to the evangelicals. It's like he really don't need to because he, you know. But you know, but I mean, I just think it'd be interesting. I mean, cause just just the the analysis. If, if we were to get things back on by Easter, the, just the analysis on both sides would just be a phenomenal thing, in my opinion, to watch. But I think it might be more likely oh, you know, yeah. that things would 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 roll back. Um, in July is what I'm is what I'm thinking. Hopefully by July, because then of course it then I mean, there's there's still more, you know, much more of the of the election to go. And I tell you what, and I was saying this earlier, you might have missed this, uh, Joe. And if you want the comment, I'll, I'll, I'll open up to back to you in a, in a moment. Is that if you okay. look at, and I said this earlier, and this might have been when you came on, Joe, uh, before you came on, Joe. Is, I mean, when when I'm watching Trump, Trump, I mean, you look look at all the other people around Trump, you know. He looks like he's the most energetic of all the people standing at that podium when he's doing his briefing every day. He looks like he's got more energy than all those other people who are standing there. And Pence, I mean, again, you know, I think this Trump putting him in this position has really made, uh, has really made, you know, Pence, you know, look definitely looks like, hey, this, this guy could actually be president too. Uh, but anyway, what I want to do is compare that is if you actually had. See, and, uh, and I'm not, you know, 
I'm going to make a little, not, not quite a prediction, and then I'll, I'll open it up to you, um, Jail, is that I think that after all the stuff we've been seeing, whoever's got background noise, please stop that. Um, whatever we got, uh, with Joe Biden, I mean, when he's trying to do the, his own, uh, okay, whoever's making the noise, please mute your mic. Try not to start muting a bunch of mics. I hate to do that. Uh, but anyway, is see that he got me off on a tangent. But anyway, so uh, with, with the gas that we you were talking about, with, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, and when I was bringing that up, if you compare even Biden with Pence, with what he's been trying to do with his, uh, you know, his updates or whatever, and I think they've even stopped them. I mean, if you were to think of that, that for the, the amount of time that Trump stands in front of the, all those, uh, you know, all those uh, reporters, and we all know if it was Joe Biden standing up there, the reporters would be much easier on him than they would Trump. But even even that being said, I cannot imagine all those all that time and all those questions being thrown at Biden and him looking presidential. I don't see it. So what I'm saying here today is that when that convention comes, it would not surprise me if he says, I just can't do it and steps down and they appoint somebody else. I mean, Biden is a mess. He, I cannot see – I mean, the more you see the guy, the more you're like, I, I don't know if this guy's going to be able to make it to November. Nonetheless, you know, I just don't see it. I mean, I can imagine what he's going to be like trying to – if he's actually – if we actually get a debate between Obama and – not Obama, uh, of Biden and – in Trump, I mean, it's it's, it's unbelievable. But go, go ahead. Uh, hey, hey, go hey ahead, Robert, you're not, the, you're, you're not the only one that confused Obama's name. But uh, Biden was giving a town hall, and he goes, "Yeah, you know, uh, you know, um, um, my boss, about uh, the president, uh, the boss. Yeah, when I when, when I, he directed me to do some things, he couldn't remember wow. Obama's name. Wow, no, I haven't seen that, but wow, that's that's incredible." Well, that's and, uh, have you ever seen the compilation ahead, of Biden. Yeah. If you've never seen the compilation of Biden's dad. You're, you're breaking up really bad, Joe. I don't know what you your connection sort of or. Okay, can you hear me better? Uh, a little bit. Go ahead. Is it better? Yeah. All right, hold on. I'm going to see if I can make this just a little bit better. You're going to hear some noise now. Okay. Is this better? Yeah, so that's the noise I was hearing earlier. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, control. All right, let's see if this. Oh, no, well, no. in any case. All right, uh, Biden's Biden's definitely got senility. So if he does come up against Trump, he's going to lose. But I'm thinking also the Democrats may have a plan in place that because of his senility, Michelle Obama or Hillary Clinton might step in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then it's going to be a nice little horse race because people still are going to like they're, – they're still Hillary supporters. And Michelle, she's going to have more supporters from Democrats than people realize. I don't know if she's going to be interested, but who knows. But with, um, with Trump, and you were talking about Trump's energy, I haven't seen the interviews, but I've heard them. And he sounds exasperated to me. Um, and I don't blame him. I mean, he's been up probably 16, 17 hours a day, 18 hours a day. And the rest that he does have probably isn't very restful. But I would not want Pence to become president. 
Pence was on the Sean Hannity show last week. And Hannity asked him and another senator, point blank, what is going on with this relief bill? And then um, Hannity outlined some of the, um, you know, the Pelosi provisions, which were really stupid. Pence danced around that like a normal politician that he is. Didn't answer it, evaded it in his um, Hollywood-trained um, camera, on-camera persona. So this guy is not Trump. This guy is a typical politician, and if he were to become oh, president, no, he's certainly not he would Trump. cave That's in to the Democrat. Yeah. yeah, you know, and he would cave in and be part of the Democratic or uh, New World Order, or if not, if people don't believe in conspiracy theories, he certainly would be part of the corruption and uh, deep state, as far as I'm concerned. And over, back over to you. Okay. I'm okay. And so now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah. Let's. You know. Of course, we do. I do see more folks on the line. So if you like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and uh, we'll get you in. And before I get to our our next article here, uh, did anyone on the panel want to uh, bring anything up? Uh, anything else up? Want to make a comment on any of that? And that would be uh, Joseph, uh, Kelly, or Suzette. Yeah. Absolutely. If I can. But I'll let Suzette go. Go, go ahead, and then Suzette. Go ahead. Uh, I was yeah, just saying, so. no, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> oh, okay. Go, go ahead, Joseph. Go ahead, Kel. I'm good. I don't need to comment. Thank you. Go ahead, Joseph. Uh, I'll just touch lightly on two things. Um, the Democrats, at least in in Hawaii, are seeing are seeing the the party for what it is. Uh, and I have an interesting article. It won't take me long to read it, but I think you're going to be dumbfounded by it. It's uh, one of the most prominent public officials in Hawaii with medical expertise on the coronavirus has been ostracized by the Ige administration. So Governor Ige is the uh, governor of the great state of Hawaii. Several sources with direct knowledge of the state's response to COVID-19 says Governor David Ige has ordered his cabinet officials and others to not consult with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, who is a medical doctor. He has also been told to leave press conferences involving the governor and the Hawaii Department of Health. The governor's directive has perplexed people familiar with the severity of the coronavirus crisis, which on Wednesday tallied 90 cases, including one death in the island. Green has been a frequent presence in the media to talk about the virus and what the state should do to slow its spread. He called for disallowing cruise ships to disembark, to increase testing of people, and to implement the travel quarantine well before such actions became official policy. Green has made it no secret that he's disappointed with the administration's response to the coronavirus crisis, particularly with that that he's seen as the inadequacy of the Department of Health testing program. It's a total failure, he said last week. We have to protect our people. We have to test those who are sick, and every municipality across the country knows now we have to test and find where the disease is and test any contact cases, and that's no way to slow the spread of this disease. Civil Beat interviewed a number of state and health officials who have been involved in the response effort for this story and agreed to let them speak anonymously because they fear jeopardizing their own positions in the effort if, if uh, they were quoted. Uh, it's only one more paragraph. They said Green's background and outspokenness is seen as a threat to the governor and some of his cabinet. Some suggest that politics is a factor too, as Green is already running to replace the term-limited EJ in 2022, 
and he's likely going to be running against Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell and EJ uh, Ally. Uh, I'll defer back to you, um, Robert. All right, I do got one quick question for you, uh, Joseph. Sure. I've been kind of wondering something. And there's been a certain politician, and, and, and I, part of me likes her, part of me don't, that's been really quiet the past couple of weeks. I haven't seen hide or hair of her. And i got to ask you, because she's from your state, where in the hell is Tulsi Gabbard? Exactly. You are thinking right along what I'm thinking. And it's what I, it's actually what I said on your show last week, is that she is best poised uh, to be the uh, future of the party uh, because she is as centrist and she's, uh, she's as blue dog Democrat as it gets. And there aren't many blue dog Democrats left. We agree that Manchin and, and Gabbard and maybe a few other names that I can't even mention – but basically, uh, when Obama got elected, you know, they were basically put in the endangered species category. And so that is very interesting. She dropped out of the race. The me- mainstream oh, did she? media didn't even mention it. Yep, she dropped out of the race about a week ago. I didn't even know, the mainstream- I didn't even know that. <laughs> she- exactly, because the mainstream media didn't say a word about it. I wonder why. Because right now she's she's a threat to the current status quo of the party, which is the party all the way to the left, to the left, to the left. And no, I'm not saying Beyonce, but yes. And so I believe that she is being left as a secret weapon by those inside the base, by those inside the party who are blue dog Democrats in reality, but who have to toe the line of the likes of uh, uh, AOC and Bernie Sanders, if they want to survive uh, with this political party's ideology. They have to toe the line and stay in silence, but I believe that after 2020, that's going to be the final wake-up call for the Democrats. And they're going to have to wake up and say, you know, for 2024, we got to go back to what worked before. we got to go back to the blueprint. And at that point, they're only going to have a very few select they can choose from. But who would be the champion? They're going to need somebody who's going to step up to the plate and say, I fought against the status quo. I fought against the cancer of our party that brought us to ruin. I disagreed with our, our former party's platform. I was the only one who was a blue dog Democrat left towing the line, saying that we need to move in the center. We need more bipartisanship. And that's why I think she's being kept silent. She's being reserved by those uh, in the party who've held on to power for over 40 years, who've been blue dog Democrats for a very long time, who realize, but they have to stay silent. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's their head on the chopping block, and therefore they won't live to see another day. It's basically a silent coup. And I'll go back to you, but yeah, no, she's the perfect mold. She's the perfect fit. Uh, she's the perfect person to be groomed for 2024. Forget Cuomo. Uh, I, I don't think Cuomo can because he said so many derogatory things about conservatives that he's already alienated the independent voting bloc. But Tulsi Gabbard hasn't. So that's why when you were saying at the beginning of the show, Cuomo 
Yeah, but he would have to appeal to independence. And because of his horrible views and comments that he's stated over the years, even to go as far as saying conservatives and Republicans are not welcome in this state, well, that is going to come back to bite him. Just like the rhetoric of Bloomberg was his demise, his rhetoric is going to be his demise. But uh, Tulsi Gabbard does not have that baggage. I'll defer back to you, Robert. Real quick, Suzette. Yeah, real quick. Um, I did, uh, unfortunately, Jill, I had to, I was getting, hearing a lot of uh, background noise on your mic, uh, so I had to uh, mute it, but I will, you know, get you back into the show. I hate the one that is, as everyone knows, but that was good. I don't know what the, what's going on in the background, but there's a lot of background noise, so I had to do that, but we'll keep you in, you know, in here and we'll bring it back in. Go ahead, Suzette. Uh, I was just going to ask about, um, I read something about Tulsi, okay, because Tulsi Gabbard had supported Bernie's campaign in 2016. And then when he didn't stand up for her in this presidential round as far as, you know, why don't you bring her, let her have, be in the debate and recognize her as a candidate, presidential candidate, that um, that was a snub. And so she, therefore she went and endorsed Joe Biden. And so I'm wondering if, if she – if she really is that far left and not as blue dog as you say, just because of her support and her, um, what do they call it, stumping, I guess, <laughs> for, for the candidates, um, all the work that she did on Bernie's campaign, and, and he's pretty far left. Well, she remember, she's not a big fan of Hillary Clinton. I think that's why she was more for Bernie. I think – I think now, you're going to correct, correct me if I'm wrong uh, – Joseph, but I mean, I think it was maybe she was more for Bernie because she couldn't stand Hillary Clinton than she was for Bernie. I mean, I don't know. Go, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you got to remember, Hillary Clinton was the first Democratic nominee in Democratic history to have the highest unfavorable rate of any nominee. So, if anything, Gabbard was not uh, campaigning for Bernie because he she told the line with him. She simply was campaigning as a narch uh, nemesis, which at the end of the day is going to come back to her favor because at the end of the day, she has not come back in 2020 to endorse or even support any of Bernie Sanders' views. So as leverage, if anything, she's going to come back and simply say, uh, yeah, I was choosing the lesser of the two evils. And at the time, you know, we did not want another Hillary dynasty. Uh, with the email servers and all of that. And also the fact that the DNC shafted Bernie Sanders is, is going to give her more leverage and, and, and more support amongst Democrats and independents to say, it's clear we could see that, hey, you were choosing the anti-Hillary route, and we're not going to condemn you for that, because if you were truly aligned with Bernie Sanders, you would not have been running for president in 2020. You would have been a cheerleader like AOC endorsing him and being a surrogate for him. If anything, her views and platforms are completely aligned with the Democratic Blue Dog Party, uh, who used to be the party of Bill Clinton. And I'll defer back to you, Robert. I was just curious. I, I, I like her. I, you know, I've talked about her on other radio shows because they weren't going to think about voting for Donald Trump. So I was thinking, okay, moderate. Let's see. Tulsi Gabbard. I like Tulsi Gabbard. Kept promoting her. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know what you thought about that as far as if you thought it was the snub that uh, Bernie had given her um, as the reason why she had endorsed Joe Biden. But um, you make perfect sense. Uh, sure. Okay. So um, 
yeah, no, I'm I'm really not sure. Um, to be honest, is that I really wouldn't know how to answer that because I'm I'm up in the air about that. I'm not sure if it's because of the snub or not. Uh, I just know that um, you know at this point she's uh, the best poised to be. Why is she being kept uh, under the radar? Why was she continue? Why did she continue her presidential bid? Uh, going into Super Tuesday when she knew she had no chance. You know, all these things that raise red flags. And as I was saying on Robert's show, uh, you know, uh, w- one of the reasons why Donald Trump was so successful in 2015 and 16 is he, uh, Hillary outspent his campaign three to one, uh, but Donald Trump was brilliant in using the debate as his promoting platform. And he was smart enough to, to use the debates and um, social media as his platform that really didn't cost him anything in doing so. And that's what Tulsi Gabbard, that's the only thing that makes sense. Why stay in the race up until now? Perfect platform for the American people to get familiarized with her. So in 2024, they remember who she is. Gain that name recognition because... Outside of Hawaii, not many people know about her except for, you know, what she did in 2016 and exposing the corruption of the DNC, of of them, uh, you know, trying to rig the election for Hillary to be the nominee. So, you know, uh, all these things that I'm trying to plug in, you know, connect the dots, so to speak, kind of makes sense if you really think about it in a logical framework. Um, all of her actions up until now, but but just just FYI, yeah, she did drop out of the race uh, last week officially. She made it official, but of course the uh, mainstream news media wouldn't report that because for them to report that, they'd have to acknowledge that she has some relevance, and for them to do so would go contrary to the entire current platform of the uh, socialist Democratic Party. Um, and unfortunately, it looks like we we lost Joe because you know he had a lot of background noise. They had to mute him, but I guess he, he had to he couldn't get back. I hope he'll call us back. But uh, were you one to chime in there, Kelly? Yeah, um, number of reasons why um, she might have dropped out, but you know she's just got a little more down to earth, and I can see why people like her. And if you're going to become president, you got to run a couple times, maybe three times. That's what Ronald Reagan did. So anyway, but here's an interesting thing. I just Donald Trump. Well, yeah. But, uh, you know, he had The Apprentice. I think that really helped him. Anyway, um, and other social media techniques. All right. There's something about the Democratic, uh, the Democrat Party and their rules. If in the event that... Uh, uh, Joe Biden has got full-on dementia. Anger is a sign, which there's uh, Fox News did a clip about his numerous angry, insulting people for even, I mean, it was mind-blowing uh, when Fox put it together. I was wondering when somebody would put together all his clips of rudeness. I mean, just outright mean, retaliatory. And uh, so that's a sign of um, dementia. So is, you know, forgetting his boss's name, which was Obama. Um, so, oh, and when he said, yeah, I'll vote for Trump, what? (laughs) And another time he said, yeah, I'm running for Senate. (sighs) Okay, those are signs of dementia. And this relates back to Tulsi Gabbard. So, um, 
in the event that one of their well, let's suppose that there is a primary and says, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pick uh, Joe Biden, and then he dies, or he's medically not capable. The Central Committee of the Democrat Party can pick can re- pick somebody to replace him. That's in the rules. I mean, what do you do when your party's candidate dies or is medically unfit or is going to get creamed because of dementia, what have you? you you got to have a mechanism to deal with that. And, and in the rules of the National Democrat Party, they have that. Hmm. So that might be why Tulsi Gabbard hung on so long. I mean, I'm not sure why. She, she, maybe she was waiting. Uh, well, she said she's going to be well, a woman, whether I- whether that would be Tulsi Gabbard or not, nah, I'm not sure about that. But well, you know that that's no, see uh, multiple possibilities. One, why did okay? Why did Tulsi Gabbard stay in so long? A, she's waiting for the Hawaii primaries. B, there's hints that uh, a woman VP is going to be picked. Um, C, she's trying to get her name out for the next election. Um, D, some other reason we don't understand. So. You know, but she did, you know. She did she made a promise in the last debate, though, that he would pick a black VP woman. Pick a woman? Oh, did he say that? Yeah, he promised to pick a black VP woman. I know he said a, a woman. I didn't know he said uh, no, she should definitely be black. Well, then, then the thing is, if that is the case, then I think what I first uh, stated was the, the most possibility is Kamala Harris. I said that law uh, months ago that I thought it was going to be Biden and Harris. Not that I think it's a winning ticket, but and he did say, and he did say that, you know, and he even and I thought it interesting because you know I've been following and I know we all have, but I mean I, I've been following politics for a long time, and I've never heard. I know I've heard a vice president, I mean a president, talk about a vice president saying. I'm going to pick somebody who can step in if needed. But the other day he was like, yeah, I'm, I, will, I will make sure I pick a vice president that will be ready to step in if something ever happens to me and I can't finish my, you know, you know, my term. And that, I mean, and it was kind of the way he said it was like, he knows that if he was to get elected, that he's not going to finish. He won't even finish his first term. I mean, like he knew. Like he, I mean, he said, like I'm, I'm, I'll pick somebody who can be the president if anything were to happen to me. And I think he may even said after that. Uh, I wish I could have recorded that that clip. You know, um, something never happens to me. And I think he said, you know, and I can't finish my term. But I think he, but I definitely know he said if something were to happen to me. I've never heard that before from a presidential candidate. I've always heard him say, yes, I'm going to have somebody who would be prepared on day one to step in and, you know, and take, and, and take my – I've never heard – and it's small. I know it's small you know, if, if something were to happen to me. I heard I that. I know that's just a few words. Yep. It did was you hear weird. that? Yeah, I did, and it was kind of eerie as far as the way he had said it. He was calm. And, uh, yeah, something to that effect as far as not be here anymore or be around or, yeah. I, yeah, I remember. Okay, so, yeah. So I, I was just like, 
the way he said that, you know, it, it, it almost is like he knew, you know, that if I get elected, it, I'm not going to – he won't last a full term. You know, and that was – I mean, that's, that's – and think about it. Do we want to elect? That's why – and I was going to bring this up later on in the year, around July is when I was going to mention this, maybe June. But since we're bringing it up, I know we're going off on a tangent, you know, I mean, but it is part of um, – no, no, it's not actually. But we, we've done that many times on many shows, not just tonight. But uh, it, it's kind of got a, a flow, that, as you know, the show does. And yeah, I, and I was gonna, again, I was going to mention this in, in eh, probably about June because usually it's July that they pick their uh, their VP, or at least after, during, or after the convention, or shortly before the convention, or something like that. But going to be very important. Because normally people blow off who the vice president is. Let's be honest. Eh, you know, they want like like Bush wants to have Cheney because Cheney he felt like Cheney brought gravitas to the um, to the ticket. You know, you know Obama. You know he picked Biden because Biden's a long term, you know, steady Democrat. A lot of people liked him. You know, McCain picked. Uh, you know, McCain picked uh, Sarah Palin because he thought Sarah Palin would add. Because everyone knows he's not a conservative, so you know she would add to you know to bring on the conservatives and things of that nature. Um, and so and so you see where when when a presidential candidate brings on a, a you know a candidate, it's not necessarily that they're going to take over and be president because the likelihood of that is so small. It's it's barely been mentioned about them taking over. You know, on day one, you hear it here and there, but that's not really why they're picked. This vice president is not. I don't think this vice president is going to be picked by Biden at all. He's going to say he's going to pick him, but this vice president is going to be picked by the DNC. They're they're not going to say it, but I'm telling you, I think that that the party is going to pick who the. Uh, you know who the, who the vice president's going to be, and if they win, I think the person we really need to focus on. Biden's not. I mean, Biden will not be the person to focus on. Biden will not be the person that we'll have to vet. The vice president will be, because that vice president will, if Biden gets elected, that vice president will be president. I, I truly, I, I truly uh, think that that whoever that person is. Will become will become the president, and 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 they know that, the Democrats know that. So when they pick somebody, you know, we're, that person's going to have to be vetted. That person's going to have to be exposed, you know, because and people and the people are going to know that too. People know, you know. I think a lot of people are going to know we're not really, we're, which is odd. Normally, you're voting for the president. Now, of course, when I voted, for, I, I held my nose and voted for Kane because I was actually, you know, for me, I was voting for Palin. Because um, I couldn't stand McCain, but I, I wasn't going to vote for Obama, and at that point I wasn't, you know, I really didn't see, you know, any third party candidates that I was really, um, you know, really liked either. But and plus, I was still a staunch Republican back in 2008, 2012. They screwed it up. But anyway, uh, so yeah, definitely going to have to be a lot of betting on whoever that Democrat is and expose it because if you want to look at the policies. Because people are like, oh, but Biden, Biden's a moderate. He, even though he's turning to the left, it's only because of a primary. It's only because of a primary. Well, okay. It's not to be Biden's policies are going to be enacted. 
It's not going to be Biden who's going to be who ended up picking the majority of any uh, Supreme Court justices or or working towards you know judges. It's not going to be Biden. It's going to be his vice president. So whoever's vice president is, if that person's uh, you know farther left, and they probably will be, than Joe Biden, those are going to be the policies. There's not going to be a moderate in that White House for long if if, if Biden were to get elected. I mean, it might be a year, it might be a couple of years, but it certainly won't be a full term, and, and those will be the policies we'll get. kind of know I went off on the tangent, but, I mean, uh, Joseph, you've been in campaigns. You've done campaigning. Um, you know, you, you've, you've probably been in more into politics than anyone else you know, on this panel right now. I mean, what, what do you think of that analysis? Uh, it's going to be, in my experience, it's going to be like 2008. Jesus Christ could have been on the ballot. There was no way the Republicans were going to defeat uh, Barack Obama and at the time vice uh, then-candidate uh, Joe Biden on the ticket. Because anyone who was a Republican was guilt by association uh, aligned with George W. Bush. So it's, it's not going to make a difference who they pick. And if they were to choose Kamala Harris, they'd be giving the gift that keeps on giving because that'd even be an easier victory uh, because Kamala Harris is so left-wing and uh, she's so racially divisive. Forget it. Um, as to Kelly, um, I believe you were saying it's a possibility uh, that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, Michelle Obama would, would possibly uh, come into the picture. I highly doubt that. Forgive me if it wasn't you, Kelly, um, as someone on the show. Michelle Obama has expressed many, many, many times that she wants nothing to do with the White House and politics. Uh, even after 2012, in a couple of interviews, uh, she expressed her uh, vitriol and her disdain for even being uh, in the White House for a second term, which uh, turned off a lot of Americans. So she, she has no interest whatsoever in getting involved in this. If Hillary were to come into the picture, Hillary knows that you know her time is, is up. Uh, she comes back in the picture. What else is going to change? What is going to be different? What would be the uh, alternative um, uh, for her coming into the picture? What would be the incentive for Hillary? Uh, to this very day, Democrats still blame Hillary for not putting up a strong enough campaign for losing against uh, Donald Trump. So it's not going to matter who they pick as VP. I will agree that he is uh, showing signs of dementia. Uh, clearly, they're not gaps anymore. Um, but it really doesn't matter at this point. It's just going to be like a two, 2008 scenario. But I'd like to read a very short article that came out on March the 19th, and this is when Tulsi Gabbard um, dropped out of the race. And this is the left-wing, this is a left-wing uh, media um, outlet here, and this is what they're trying to say now about her. And it's going to be pretty intriguing, and I promise it's very short, but it goes, who cares why Tulsi Gabbard is still running for president? I know I don't, and neither should you. Time to quit wondering, complaining, or caring about Gabbard. It's time to see her as the isolate and the irrelevant minor political figure she has become. We need to quit wasting time trying to figure her out. That cheapens our politics by making her a celebrity. All we are doing, uh, all we are doing by making those demands about her needing to explain this or do that is keeping her on a pedestal she no longer deserves. So enough with the inflated mystery 
about why she is really running for president. She's not going to tell you anything useful anyway. She's not big on wow. obligations. Tulsi has refused to carry out the only important ongoing obligation she has to the people of Hawaii when she refuses to resign her congressional seat, suiting up the worst absentee record in the House of Representatives. Hawaii voters used to have a decent relationship with Gabbard, but she's changed. As a result, this relationship has now become toxic. Let's not stay in this now flawed relationship because we naively think we can change her back. The fundamental thing to understand about Gabbard is that she has become an isolate with a tight, closed, and inaccessible political and social network, an impenetrable closed circle. Isolated people with closed-off networks make decisions that make sense to the people within them, but often not to anyone else. The essence of her isolation problem is not really what she believes. I think people misunderstand and maybe are a little prejudiced when they criticize Gabbard for her religious beliefs. The problem, which in fact goes a long way towards explaining Tulsi's unwillingness to go deep about why she is running, is that she has a network of advisors and confidence that has cut itself from the rest of us. She has made herself virtually inaccessible to Hawaii's media. Nick Grube, the reporter, uh, Civil Beat, sent out to talk to one of her main political advisors, uh, practically had to reenact the Lewis and Clark expedition to get the place where the guy lives somewhere on the shore of an isolated lake in the state of Washington. Uh, results of the solitary journey to the wild. Nada, no interview, no information. Remember, this is a key campaign maven we are talking about. Whoever heard of an isolated political consultant that no one knows anything about? As far as Hawaii is concerned, Tulsi Gabbard's campaign slogan should be no comment, and that's the best it's going to be. There has always been more than idle curiosity about what Gabbard is really up to. The furtive mystery woman. Now, though, it's time to give it up, time to quit. Playing ulterior motive detective, just let the mystery be. If you don't believe her past public statements about why she is running, well, fine. That is all you're going to get. Uh, looking for ulterior motives is like using a, uh, a divining rod. It's not about really finding water. It's all about the suggestive imagination of the searcher. As for her discovering her real reasons, a Fox News gig, a third-party run, whatever, just stop it. That's how we think about celebrities. That's the sports talk uh, uh, show approach. What is Tom Brady really thinking about staying with the Patriots? Why does LeBron James really think of uh, his coach? Uh, that really thinking focus subverts the way we need to think about politics. The continuing focus on Gabbert makes politics way too much about discovering motivations and digging up inside dope. Way too much about probing for personality rather than looking at issues. Far from being a celebrity, it's time to see Gabber for what she's become no longer relevant to Hawaii. I only got two more paragraphs to go. More power to her if that's what she wants to be. But doing that is her way of saying goodbye to Hawaii. So let's get off our high horse about her and say what, in effect, she has already said to us and what we need to say to her. As in the old song by the Weavers, you know, the one about it's good, but now it's time. So long... It's been good to know you. So long it's been good to know you. So long it's been good to know you. Wait a long time since you've been home, and I've got to be drifting along. Right now we have more important things to worry about, far more important things. And, uh, Robert, the interesting fact about this uh, major capitulation by this left-wing news uh, group uh, called Civil Beat is that last year Gabbert won with 90% of the vote. <laughs> wow. And she was revered as one of the most popular congresswomen ever in the history of Hawaii. 
how fast has time changed wow. since 2018? That is the hypocrisy. And I'd, uh, I defer wow. back to you, Robert. Well, well, i tell you what, um, and I do see, uh, Joe, you're back, you know, back in the call. If you'd like to chime in, push the one the number dial, get you in. Um, Sarge said a few things earlier. There's a lot of background noise coming there. I don't know where it's coming from. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I know we got on to kind of talk together, but I've been wondering that for a while, and cause I haven't heard anything because I was kind of following her. I didn't even see anything much uh, from her on Twitter. Uh, so I was kind of curious, like, well, where did she go? Because, I mean, I didn't hear anything about that. And, I mean, I thought that, you know, and I said this, and I think much to the Democrats' uh, chagrin, they're going to rue the day. I think they're going to rue the day they brush aside Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> I really do. Uh, because I think, I really do think that she probably, she was the strongest candidate against him. I do. If, if they're the one, if they really wanted to beat Donald Trump, if they really wanted to, that's probably, in my opinion, that's the person they should have put their uh, their support behind. Um, but no, they didn't want to do that. They want to get behind the people who show, you know, who hated Trump the most. Uh, and so that's what, that's where they are now. And so one thing that I would say would be in Trump's best interest, or maybe, you know, Pence or whoever is going to be the, the, the president, you know, nominee or whatever after, after Trump in 2024, and, and your, your standing could very well be Gabbard for the Democrats. Uh, and that being said, if, if Trump would have some type of foresight, uh, foresight on that, he might be. He, it might do him well to find a, a place for her in his administration. I mean, I know she's more leftist what I like, but you know, I may, you know, maybe put her as a national security advisor because I mean, I don't think she's like a leftist when it comes to to that. You know, I mean, put her in a position that's the military. You know, she she doesn't want to get us entangling, you know, and in, in, in endless wars and things of that nature. She's kind of on, in my opinion, someone in the line. If you want to correct me, if you think I'm wrong, it's fine. But I think when it comes to foreign policy, she might be more online with with Trump than than the you know than not. Uh, so I, I do. I think maybe put her in as a national security advisor or something of that nature. Um, or hey, make, make her in a see by making her an ambassador to India or something like that, um, you know. So maybe that'd be a post she would like. I mean, hell, if it, if, a, if a Hawaii doesn't want her anymore, or at least the Hawaii uh, party um, doesn't want her anymore, uh, that Democrat party, maybe it'd be smart for Trump to, to pick her up and put her in something like a, again a national security advisor. But I do get a, um, a Skype caller on again. I haven't done any green rooming. So uh, if you start uh, say welcome to the show, you start talking, and I respond, then I know you're the Skype caller uh, that I let in because we do get a number of uh, Skype callers here. So uh, I am opening up uh, to the person who pushed the one to, one other number down for Skype. Uh, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Who on Skype you, uh, pushed the one on number down? Are you talking to hey, me? Hey, how are you? Good to hear from you. Yes, sir. This is Mike from Singapore. Yeah. And yes, uh, it's Susan there, too? I'm sorry. Go ahead. It is Susan there, too? Uh, Suzette's here, yes. Yes. Hello, Mike. Okay, good. Uh, of course, I sent greetings to you, indeed. Uh, so, uh, how are you, everybody? And so, I mean. Hanging in there. Right now, 
uh, is a very sad story in the United States because today uh, in the United States, we all, I mean, uh, they had 200 deaths. And this is the saddest story in the United States of America today. And so um, we know that New York is very hot spot, and many other states are hot spots as well. I mean, our hearts and mind goes with the people, with the old nurses, doctors, and all the people who are uh, trying to help these people that who got it. And so uh, my question is to you guys, do you know what, uh, where is, I mean, they keep saying that this virus is the Wuhan virus, uh, et cetera, but they don't know where the origin is. They know it started as Wuhan in the Wuhan, China, but they don't know in the origination of this disease X. Can you, anybody update us, please? Can you repeat your last sentence? I, it wasn't quite clear. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask, you know, because we know the virus started from Wuhan, but where there is the origin, where it came from? I mean, I know we, we know it started at one point as Wuhan, uh, China. So, well, there's, but, some, there's some, yeah, I mean, there's, there's different theories. I mean, one theory... Uh, Mike, is that, you know, it came from a wet market, whereas, you know, a bat, you know, bit a cow or something, and maybe somebody ate the cow, and it gave them, uh, you know, gave them, you know, the the virus, coronavirus. That's one theory. One theory is that, you know, it's, uh, they were actually, you know, the Chinese were actually experimenting uh, with a biological warfare, and oops, it got out. Um, So that's another theory. Uh, And then there's one just you know, again, had to, I can't remember the exact details of this one, but it, it has something to do with. Oh no, well, it has something to do with uh, wet markets again, whereas you know people are you know eating bats and they're eating snakes and you know, and through my understanding, in, in China, the way they clean those. Uh, now again, this is just hearsay, uh, but in those wet markets, and, and maybe that's why the Philippines, at least through a, a person I know there seems like they got a lot of lockdown going in the Philippines, but well, you know, we'll, I don't have a lot of the confirmed details there, but, uh, but you know, with just a wet market, to my understanding, they'd like, they just take water hose and spray, you know, there's blood all over the place. They just spray it down and let it just kind of drain, uh, the blood drain into the sewer. And then, you know, they're, they just don't wash things off and sanitize things the way we do in the United States. And so, I mean, I heard that's one theory of, of where it started. But, no, I don't think anyone's really come out and said definitively. If anyone else has heard anything different, please let me know. But I, I haven't heard anything, what, what they're saying to, definitively, where it came from. Exactly. Uh, I have this, uh, We have the same information in Singapore. I mean, indeed, uh, we don't know origin of this virus, whether uh, in some uh, uh, other theories, it's called bolide. I don't know if you know, are familiar with the term bolide. Are the meteors that has been um, millions of light years before? You know, it was on the space, keep coming, and finally, the last two of these bolides were, uh, you know, land, uh, landed almost in Wuhan, uh, October 2019. So. 
whether this is a virus was caused by uh, explosion, uh, because two of explosions were happening uh, in mean, Wuhan, China, uh, on the uh, on the night. So, is that meteor that brought it for present for us from the uh, you know billion of light years uh, in uh, ago, or? Uh, still, we may not know never the origin of this virus. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I guess what they're kind of waiting for is when this all you know, it blows over. At least the the, the most you know, dramatic part of it. I mean, I think that, I mean I do think this is going to be tapering off for quite some time, where people are going to you know have it. But I think you know, it's going to peak and then it's going to. You know, go down that bell curve that everyone keeps hearing about, and then you know we'll we'll still get some reports here and there that this person, that person, thing of that nature, uh, you know, got it. You know, kind of like uh, you know what we heard with H1N1 and, and things like that. Uh, and I think then once it settles down and they start getting the economy going and things of that nature again, then I think they're going to focus on, okay, what was the real – because they don't have what they call man zero or something. Is that what they call it? You know, to try to find out who was the first person or, or person to had it. Um, and so I think after all that blows over, then they're going to try to find out what was the true origins, if, if that will ever be, even be known, uh, of, of where this came from. Because let's tell you something. If this was from a biological warfare that the, the, that the Chinese were uh, experimenting with, and I'm not saying that it is, but if it was, you really think we're going to find out about it? <laughs> you know, I mean, you really think if they're going to tell us about it? I don't think so. Um, but I, but they're going to, I mean, there's going to be investigation. Now, I'm working with, and you may have, because there are a global organization uh, that I've been talking with. I mean, they're, they they definitely have a different – I had an audio I was going to play tonight, but it was about a half an hour, so I don't know if I'll, I'll play it to, uh, tonight now. Uh, you know, because I mean, that would – yeah, that, that's a half an hour uh, audio clip. Uh, but I've been uh, – I've had some folks on the show, and you can hear uh, them in our archives. Is uh, the, Are you familiar with the LaRouche Pack? With Lyndon LaRouche was the founder. Uh, La Roche Foundation, yes, I am very familiar. Yes, as yes. a journalist, yes, I must have. Yes, of course, I understand. Go ahead, please. You familiar with them? Yeah, and so, I mean, their, their, uh, their perspective on China Lyndon La Roche. Is, is, is definitely much, yeah, Lyndon La Roche, right, is definitely much different uh, than, you know, what you're hearing on, even on the, you know, the conservative news uh, outlets, and especially if you're talking, uh you know, you know people such as like Laura Ingram and uh, uh, Tucker, the uh, Tucker Carlson, you know things of that nature, and of course reports. and And Trump hasn't really, he's not really doing the finger, game, you know, finger pointing game yet. Uh, again, I think he's, his focus is on making people well or making sure that it doesn't spread and then bringing the economy back. I think that's his focus. But then once they start delving more into it. You know, into the the, the cause, and it, was there anything hidden? What happened? Uh, but the, but by if you listen to the people from you know, the Larouche Foundation, the Larouche Pack, they don't. They, I mean, they they have are almost nothing but praises for the way ch- uh, China has uh, dealt with uh, this this pandemic. Which I kind Absolutely. of, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted with that. 
Yes, but do you know that another uh, virus is not hitting China as well at the same time, uh, called hantavirus, and uh, it has been reported to China that uh, actually in USA today, uh, you can find it, the information. A man who died in China Monday reportedly tested positive for hantavirus. So hantavirus uh, is totally game changer as well too. So I mean, we, as we know, the Iceland scientists they find out that uh, this uh, uh, corona or COVID-19 or SARS-2 or disease X has been mutated 40 different so far, and uh, they know that. In England, for example, it started in the soccer, uh, soccer uh, uh, game uh, at that time. Uh, about a few weeks ago, uh, there was a soccer game, and they know some of it started there, but again, nobody knows the origination. But yes, we know that the fact 40 different uh, a, a strain of this virus exists. Go ahead, please, sir. Yeah, did anyone want to add anything on that before we uh, we, we move over? Yeah, just it's about um, the top of the hour, so make sure your lines are on. Go ahead. Yeah, Kelly here. You know, I watched a couple videos. Well, doc, well done documentations on the swine flu, swine flu or the Spanish flu of 1918 into the 1920s. 30 million people plus died. Okay. Um, that again was like this. It was an animal to human and then, and then human to human. Um, but I want to go ahead and look at some numbers worldwide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and by the way, the, the, the bell curve, they're talking about the bell curve. Viruses replicate, replicate exponentially until um, your body immune system keeps them in check. But it looks like the Chinese... Um, are starting to go, you know, bell curve comes up, looks like a bell, of course, that's why they call it a bell curve. All right, so it comes up, it flattens out, and uh, it looks like not only is it past the flat part of the cur- of the bell, it's on its way down a little bit. So <clears throat> last week there was 80,000 reported cases in China, now we're at only 81,000. Uh, Italy is number two at 74,386. Deaths is pretty high, 7503, which is at 10%, over 10%. United States is 69,047. Spain, 49,500. Germany, 41,000. Iran, France, Switzerland, UK, and then we all, all the rest are below um, basically 9,000 uh, reported cases. Of course, there are factors involved in their reporting, quote-unquote reporting. They may, have, may not have the technology to report. I'm sorry. They may not have the technology to identify if people have corona or not. So we're looking at pretty much uh, Italy, U.S., Switzerland, France, U.K. These are kind of more developed nations that would have the test kits. We don't know what the real results are in others. Well, let's go ahead and look at our own country, all right? Let's go state by state. Um, sorry, I kind of stuffed some chocolate in my face. All right, so the CDC has this by state. 
And uh, obviously alphabetized Alabama, Alaska. Alaska has 42. Well, surprise, surprise, not much interaction with people. Arizona, 326. California, 2511. Colorado, 921. Connecticut. Okay, Washington, D.C., which interacts quite frequently with Marylanders and Virginians, because I don't know that, because I lived in Maryland and uh, some friends would commute to D.C. and work. They take the metro, which is highly. That's how you get downtown. You you live in Virginia or you live in Maryland, and, you know, you would catch the subway, people everywhere, 24 days ago. There's only 183 cases in Washington, D.C. I find that odd. Florida, 1373, Guam, 30, Hawaii, 70, Idaho, 71, Iowa, 124, Kansas, 98, Maine, 118, Maryland, 349. Let's jump down to Virginia. I'm talking about D.C. Uh, Virginia, 391. That's just really something's odd there, okay? All right, Minnesota, 387, Missouri, 255, Montana, 48. Nevada, 278. Let's look at Louisiana a second. I missed that. By the way, they had Mardi Gras still. A lot of people are furious with Louisiana for still having Mardi Gras, which I guess brings in like a million-plus people for their big event all over the world. 1388. Okay, let's go. Let's see. Nebraska, 53. Oh, boy. Um, New York. Are you ready? 26,358 reported cases. Wow. Yes, absolutely. 26,358 cases. That's 10 times more than California. North Dakota, 37. Oklahoma, 106. So, oh, by the way, somebody somebody on this uh, show, I, I, I'm trying to remember who lives in Ohio on the show right now. Okay. 565. <laughs> okay. Oregon, 209. I was up in Oregon yesterday, by the way, and it's, things are very close to normal. But New York, 226,358. That is the absolute worst impacted. What are the factors? What are the possibilities? What are the reasons going on here? Well, obviously, New York is a very crowded city. But is it all just happening in New York City, or is it elsewhere? Well, there's another factor to this. Um I looked at a homeless advocate uh, newspaper. This is like, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago. There were 60,000 people that lived underneath in the tunnels in New York, like abandoned subway tunnels. Homeless. Wow. And here in Wairika, we had, well, we get people from all over the country. We had one guy from Sweden or whatever show up at our – he was very respectful. Anyway – uh, um, we're on I-5 corridor, which is the artery between, you know, L.A., San Diego, and all the way to Seattle and into Canada. But So we get all sorts of traffic in our small town. But um, we had people from New York. And I said, you know, this this, this here newspaper says there's like 60,000 people in the New York, New York abandoned subways. This guy says, dude, I'm from New York, and there's a lot more than that. It's at least 100,000. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's a jungle. The cops don't even go down there anymore. But they come up from down under, and they go interact with the city, and that might be why 
New York has so many. Because when you're cold, when you're hungry, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the things that came into Europe after the famine was the plague, okay, like middle, during the Dark Ages, et cetera. You get hungry, you get cold, you get, you get vulnerable to disease. So it's very possible that the reason why the homeless, the homeless in New York were basically infecting not just home, uh, normal New York folk, but that spread throughout the state pretty badly. Well, we should look at New Jersey, okay? New Jersey, 3,600 infected. We, um, as a ratio to the population, uh, New Jersey obviously doesn't have as many as California, 3,600 versus 2,500 in California. We got about what 30, 35 million. I don't know what the population is in New Jersey, but it's certainly not 30 million. Um, so yeah, you know New York and and New Jersey kind of commute back and forth and all that stuff. I heard today that the amount of the number of cases in New York is doubling every day. Is it a new strain? Is it a different strain? I don't know, but. Folks, we're not out of the woods yet, okay? I don't think we're out of the woods yet. We're going to find out in the next few weeks, but I don't think we're out of the woods yet. No, I, no, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think we're out of the woods. Um, I mean, I think we're going to be at least, you know, a couple more weeks. Um, just, you know, I wanted to go over to this article I got here uh, to kind of give you a perspective, you know, and, and we've had a, a number of folks from this organization on. I agree with a lot of them, you know, what they say, especially if they talk about us needing, you know, the need for nuclear fusion for, you know, for power and also uh, to enhance, you know, our space program. This kind of gives you an idea. Uh, this is from uh, LaRouche Pack, and that's L-A-R-O-U-C-H-E Pack. Uh, dot com and there's some background noise somewhere. If they could get rid of it, that'd be great. Um, but that, that, there's, I don't have very many pet peeves, but that's one of them. Uh, so mute your mic if, if, if that. So basically, <laughs> this is uh, something from his wife, her name Felga Zepp Larouche. But he said at our weekly webcast today, uh, and I was actually on a conference call with them on sat this past Saturday. Uh, and I was going to play some of the audio from that, but again, it was a it was a half an hour audio, so I didn't you know we 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 just don't have time there. And, and actually, we only got about a minute and a half of uh, this portion, so don't let your uh, phone die down, or, or else we won't be able to call back into the show. Uh, so we'll be getting ready to go into what we lovingly call Bard's Logic after dark soon. Uh, but anyway, it says in our weekly webcast today, Helga. Uh, LaRouche laid out the stark choice facing humanity. Either we can act together in cooperation and solidarity, or the future will be one of chaos, chaos, war, and even more destructive pandemic disease. It is wrong to say that there was no advance warning that we, and you guys want me comments of this, but um, it says, it is wrong to say that there was no advance warning that we should face such an existential crisis. Uh, frankly, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is an existential crisis. I think it might be overblowing a little bit. But anyway, since Lyndon LaRouche was uh, 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 prescient in his forecasting back in 1971, when he warned that the decision to end the Brenton Woods system, if not reversed, would plunge mankind into a dark age. At the present, we are seeing that warning fulfilled in the horrors of overcrowded and under-equipped hospitals in Italy, Spain, and New York City. 
but we are also seeing the hope that the disease can be slowed, even halted, coming from China. The Chinese are now offering necessary medical supplies to 82 nations, as well as their expertise in countering the coronavirus. Quote, insane people or criminals, end quote, continue to push the lies which justify the anti-China rhetoric. Zepp uh, also elaborated on her call for a pause in financial trading, which uh, I agree with that, to allow for the implementation of Glass-Steagall and uh, move toward to the Hamiltonian national credit system instead of a hyperinflationary bailout of the worthless assets being traded in the casino economy. The explosion of two crises, of the pandemic and the collapse of the financial system, offer us the opportunity to come out of the new crisis or a crisis with new image of man and to build a new paradigm in cooperation with sovereign nation states. Now, a couple of their, their, their big things they want to do is one is uh, re, you know, re-imply, uh, re-implement uh, Glass-Steagall. Again, you know, a point that I, I stated earlier I agree with. Um, one thing I find interesting, I'd like to know more about it, and perhaps yourself, uh, you know, some, you know, some here on the panel, I know more about the – I mean, I've got a, a, an idea of it, but the Hamiltonian National Credit System. Uh, so, I mean, is there anyone on, on – you know, I'd, I'd like to get somebody on here, maybe more of an expert on it, but you guys might certainly have more knowledge on that than I am. But anyone here familiar with what the Hamiltonian National Credit System is? And that's one of the things I want to try to get these folks on to talk more about it um, when we get on, you know, can get it back on the show. But anyone want to add on to that or make comment on that? Uh, Suzette, you can go ahead, please, if you like. Hamilton, was, Hamilton believed in a strong central bank, but he also um, kind of liked the silver and gold standard. But he got swayed to believe in the, the first central bank of America, which was in the set, late 1700s. Um, so there's got to be some expert on this, but anyway, go ahead and he kind of had mixed mixed values, if you will. Hey, yeah, go ahead, Suzette. Then after Suzette, I will uh, give my input. Ladies first. Go ahead, please. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know too much about it. I know um, that it was a, um, a system, it was going towards the, the, um, the not the central bank, the federal tre- treasury, the feds, and um, this system is leaning towards uh, like a technoc- technocracy type thing, energy paying for that type of thing. Um the repayment, uh, as far as uh, an effective way to legitimize the government, um, and that meant that financing the repayment involved issuing new, what do you call it, security bonds to investors. And those investors um, would make a significant profit off of that. And, and it required, you know, um, documents, legal documents, uh, the creation of the national bank and a centralized currency. I think what's happening here is if they want to institute something like that, that we may just have a new um, a new currency system rather than what we have now. Um, and I, I saw that kind of coming a little while ago, but um, it's a little bit more in-depth, so we'll have to talk about it more 
but um, I don't know like all the specifics, but I, I have looked at it. So um, anyway, take it back to you. Okay. Yes. Uh, indeed. I mean, uh, according to Larouche, here it says we're going on lockdown and uh, will be locked down for a long time. And both UK and India announced today uh, total lockdown uh, since 24 hours ago. And uh, 1.4 billion people in India were informed by Prime Minister Narendra Modi uh, that there would be a total ban of, uh, you know, everything, and you have to stay in your homes. And we saw the clashes today in India as well, that people disobeyed and they have clashed with the troops in India. So I don't know. It's just news changing hour by hour, indeed. And it's, it's not like every 24 hours or something. I mean, we have uh, seen that uh, New York Mayor Palacio uh, says half of all New Yorkians will get corona and wants people not to, you know, uh, uh, think that this issue we have is going to be easy to be solved. So, and we know in many other states also the population-wise, you know, they keep saying pretty much uh, over 200 million Americans will get it. That's not, uh, uh, there's no other, uh, I mean, everybody, pretty much 200 million, and then that 200 million can infect others. The rest that they don't have, I mean, that's going to be super uh, crazy in, in the United States. So I think we still we have to obey the lockdowns, and uh, it's just, and not anymore your health is matter to yourself only your health is is our your your health belongs to your neighbor's health your neighbor's health belongs to uh, all of us so we we are in this together so we have to find you know uh, don't get mad if people put masks or gloves and you may not have it as a result so don't get mad on them say oh you have the corona no Many people do it just because they want to protect everyone, also themselves, plus uh, other people who come to contact with them. So, uh, you know, don't get mad on the people. Thank you. I have a, I have a thing that will make it a little bit easier to, to understand. Um, it's, uh, let me just read it. It says, the most pressing problems facing the new government were economic okay, there's and some the background. Yeah, there's uh, 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 someone on a speakerphone. Someone's on speakerphone. Mute your mic, please. Go ahead, Suzette. Oh, okay. The most pressing problems yeah, facing the new government yeah. were economic. As a result of the revolution, the federal government had acquired a huge debt of $54 million, including interest, and the states owed another $25 million paper money issued under the Continental Congresses and Articles of Confederation was worthless. Foreign credit was unavailable. Uh, the person that was uh, assigned to the task was 32-year-old Alexander Hamilton. And the paramount problem facing Hamilton was a huge national debt. And he proposed that the government assume the entire debt of the federal government and the states. And his plan uh, to retire the old depreciated obligations by borrowing new money at a lower interest rate. 
um, states like Maryland, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Virginia, which had already paid off their debt, saw no reason why they should be taxed by the federal government to pay off the debts of other states, like Massachusetts and South Carolina. And Hamilton's critics claimed that his scheme would provide enormous profits to speculators who had bought bonds from Revolutionary War veterans for as little as $10 or 10 or 15 cents, I'm sorry, on the dollar. And six months of bitter debate raged in Congress until James Madison and Thomas Jefferson engineered a compromise in exchange for Southern votes. Hamilton promised to support locating the national capital on the banks of the Potomac River. Uh, Hamilton's debt program was a remarkable success by demonstrating Americans' willingness to repay their debts he made the United States attractive to foreign investors. European investment capital poured into the new nation in large amounts. So basically um, getting rid of the debt, having the federal government um, just assume all the debt. Wow. Yeah, I definitely would like to get somebody um, more on there, you know, more knowledgeable about that. Okay. I, I, I have one. No, that's a good I synopsis. Let's get synopsis, but. Oh, here's here's something interesting about the language of the uh, help Americans with you know twelve hundred dollars, and you know is that once a week, uh, once a month, three months, whatever. Okay, I've heard different strategies, but to receive this money, this is um, you know Nancy Pelosi's second round. Only if you have a digital wallet and you sign up for the digital wallet will you get your stimulus money. And yet enough congressmen and senators oppose this that they they gutted it. I was been waiting a couple days, uh, actually several days, to find out, and I'm I'm hearing that they're they're gutting it. So, but you don't know because politicians do their freaking thing. They say one thing, do another. So we're not out of the woods on the digital currency yet, but we'll find out. Now, when you have a digital currency, okay, you got paper currency, you can print money out of thin air. But it takes physical work and a lot of work and all the blah, 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 and you print money out of thin air. When you have a digital currency, it's like you just tell the computer programmer, oh, just, uh, you know, print print for the federal government another three million in the uh, digital realm. Ten minutes, he can do it. That's frightening, and that would cause chronic inflation. Uh, uh, I I never heard of that, but it's very interesting. Then, so basically, uh, so they want everybody to become like a Bitcoin uh, in the near future. Are you saying that if you don't have a digital wallet, you won't get your twelve hundred, five hundred? For your kids, etc. So for everybody, you have to open a digital. So where is the instruction for that? Is there any instruction for that yet, or is it pending, please? What they would be doing is paying people to accept a digital currency to their digital wallet. The exact words they're using in the legislation, but there are congressmen fighting against this. I don't want to see a digital currency because it's so prone to computer manipulation and inflation. Absolutely. I mean, so, so that's how those, that's how the, real, real quick, uh, uh, sorry, real quick, Mike. 
so if they're going to put out the checks to everybody in the country, right? Or, or, or I don't know how they're doing it, but uh, are you saying it's it's got to be a digital currency that 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 they're going to? Ca- I mean, how does that work? I'm kind of confused. You can repeat that. They were trying to write the legislation. That the only way you could get your bailout money is if you okay. have a digital wallet. Oh, okay. Or an electronic transfer, and you have to sign up for the digital wallet. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, can you give us the location of the information you have, please? Or can we give? Can you please give us some? few words on it so we can Google it and find it, please? Yeah, go to Forbes. I saw this on Forbes yesterday. Forbes magazine, yeah. they had an article that discussed it quite a bit. So if you type so in Forbes, 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 Forbes Digital Currency, Forbes Digital Currency, I can, I can look it up myself and read you some of the pieces of the article. In fact, I, I think I'll go ahead and do that because it's real interesting. So give me a few minutes, Robert. Okay. Has anyone Robert, else? I mean, yeah, that's a, yes. Yes. So, so one thing I wanted to add, and it, it's it's a little bit, um, but the topic before we were talking about the digital currency. Um, sure. One of the sure. reasons why, because my hometown is is New York, although I I reside in Hawaii. I've been in Hawaii for two and a half years. All my family is back home in New York. And um, why a lot of people are wondering what, what, what gives, right? Why is uh, New York uh, taking the worst hit of this? Um, one fact people don't know about Hawaii is that we, even though we are a state that only has about 1.4 million people, we have the third largest homeless population in the country, but yet we only wow. have 95 cases of coronavirus, which is one of the lowest in, in, in the country. Um, so, uh, I don't think it's thing to do with the homeless population. The facts of the matter are back in January, when the Trump administration realized, uh, what was occurring in the, in the province of Wuhan. And when the Trump administration realized that we, we have a potential outbreak that, you know, can be of epic proportions, he issued travel bans to China which the whole media lashed out on him. And also all, all the liberal governors across the, uh, of the country as well, saying that he was racist and xenophobic and these bans were uh, a travesty to the Chinese people. And remember, at that time, uh, they had articles from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal that said, oh, more people die from influenza. Oh, coronavirus is not even a thing. So yes, you actually had the mainstream media and a lot of public, uh, you know, uh, you know, newspaper outlets saying that. And at the end of the day, why were they all saying that? It's because what were the Dems doing back then? Something called impeachment. That's what mm-hmm. they were focused on. So had right. the had had the country all been united, as should be, like it was after nine eleven. And had all these uh, liberal governors put their agendas aside and said, you know what, President Trump, if you're saying that, you know, the coronavirus is something real and could be problematic, 
uh, maybe we should, you know, uh, instead of taking your word for it, let's do our own research. No, they were focused on impeachment. That's why. Time had all of these governors of the state of Washington, the state of California, uh, the state of uh, New York and New Jersey, where they have the strictest bans uh, compared to the other states. Had they been on the same page as the president and they did a little bit of their research and put their partisan politics aside, we would not have these many cases in, in New York. Because remember, New York has the largest Chinese community, immigration community in the whole country. And even in the beginning of March, de Blasio went out on the record of saying, oh, the coronavirus isn't anything serious. And, uh, you know, people, and they took uh, headshots of him riding the subway and showing people that you don't need to be afraid of this uh, fear-mongering from the Trump administration. I kid you not, Uh, even in the the very early stages of March, Mayor de Blasio was touting that. So that's why I think New York has been affected the most, is because the mayor and the governor, because of their political ideology, instead of making this about the safety and well-being of the American people— Instead of caring to know about the truth, they put that aside. They did not take the preventative measures that our president did. And you got to give credit to Trump. Had he not taken these measures of imposing those strict bans to China back in around January the 28th, up until the you know 31st, when he actually came out and said, "Okay, this is something real," had he not done this, my God, we'd be looking at a, a, a pandemic of epic proportion. And I don't mean what's crippling our economy. I'm talking about in the death toll. The, the moves that Donald Trump did saved millions of lives, that this would have been completely, completely, uh, this, this would look completely like what we're, what's going on today would look like a cakewalk in comparison to what could have been had Trump not taken those measures. And, and, and now the, the irony of it is now that the media won't admit that Trump was right, now they're attacking him by saying, oh, he wants to put the economy at first at, at the expense of American lives. How ironic, high, hypocr- high hypocritical. No matter what he oh, does yeah. and what he says, he will never be right. But at the end of the day, history is on the right side of the president. And that is my theory of, of the only way I can, I can logically, and based on the, fa- on the very few facts that I know coming out of New York, why New York was hit the hardest. Failure of leadership from Comrade de Blasio and Cuomo of putting the political ideology first, being focused on impeachment, and going along with the mainstream media of saying coronavirus, coronavirus isn't even a thing. And uh, I'll defer back to you. I actually got, got an article. Here. Oh, go, go ahead. I got the I got the article here, Robert. But you know, Joseph, I really like your input. And uh, there's an awful lot of homeless in Hawaii and California, um, <clears throat> which is warm, by the way. So just a little lesson on. And, and by the way, and for 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 treating sewage, how you treat sewage, bacteria treat, eats it up. But anyway, so I have to, I've, I had to learn a lot about uh, bacteria, bugs, rotifers, viruses, all sorts of critters. Okay, um, the 
second strain of the Spanish flu, 1918, they are saying happened because, well, okay. They say it started in Kansas, jumped from swine to Americans, a military base in Kansas. Forty people got sick, like four of them died. The rest of them got healed. They still had the virus. Once you have a virus, you have it for life, but your immune system keeps it in check. Now, these soldiers went to World War I into the trenches, and in the trenches, it was wet and rainy and cold, and their immune system was suppressed. Okay? And there was also water in the trenches, you know, three, six inches of water, whatever, trench foot. And they were defecating in the trenches. Germany got hit really bad. They couldn't build a war machine anymore because of the swine flu slash Spanish flu. They sued for peace. World War One was over. October 11th, 1918. Now, those cold bodies, those cold bodies were the perfect place for a second strain. The second strain, they're saying, came from men in the trenches with a compromised immune system from being so cold, went back to the States and other countries, and it spread throughout the world. 30 million people died. Some people died in 12 to 14 hours. Hawaii has a lot more better temperatures than New York City does. So... But, yes, it could be political, how they handled it, how they didn't handle it, how their healthcare system was, all sorts of factors. But, anyway, all right, so here's the digital dollar that I'm talking about. I'm on Forbes. <clears throat> Headline is, Coronavirus Stimulus Offered by House Financial Services Committee Creates New Digital Dollar. And this is by Jason Brett. He's a contributor for uh, crypto and blockchain, and he as a comment, I write about blockchain regulation and policy. There's first an update. I saw this a couple days ago. Update on 324. What was it? No. Okay, yesterday, sorry. I saw this yesterday. Updated on 324 at 11.45 a.m. The final version of the economic stimulus package offered by Speaker Pelosi, the House Democrats, no longer includes a U.S. digital dollar proposal. However, the language as proposed by Chairman Waters of the House Financial Services Committee still contains this language. Links to the original updated stimulus bill with the latest language are at the end of this story. That's just a italics comment update, but here's his story of before. As the markets continue to drop and the U.S. looks to Congress for agreement on a massive stimulus package to save the economy from impacts of the corona pandemic, the newest offered by House Democrats include a very forward-looking kind of stimulus. The creation of a digital dollar, and the establishment, of, the establishment of digital dollar wallets. And what will send shockwaves to the cryptocurrency and blockchain industry, particularly for those following central bank digital currencies around the world. This signals the U.S. is serious in establishing infrastructure for a central bank digital currency. Side note, back in uh, the Federal Reserve is trying to develop their own digital currency and they were wanting to launch in June of last year. That's a side note back to, the, back to the written story. Both Speaker Pelosi's Take Responsibility for Workers and Families Act and the Financial Protections and Assistance for America's Consumers, States, Businesses, and Vulnerable Populations Act, H.R. 6321, introduced by Chairman Maxine Waters of Financial Services Committee, introduced the concepts today as a way of delivering delivering 
the economic stimulus payments to U.S. citizens. I'll say that again. Introduce the concept today of a way of delivering the economic stimulus payments to U.S. citizens. The bill establishes a digital dollar, which is which it defines as a balance expressed as a dollar value consisting of digital ledger entries that are recorded as liabilities in the accounts of any Federal Reserve Bank or an electronic unit of value redeemable by an, a financial institution as determined by the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System. Additionally, a digital dollar wallet is identified as a digital wallet or account maintained by a Federal Reserve Bank on behalf of any person that represents holdings in an electronic device or service that is used to store digital dollars, they may be tied to a digital or physical identity. A mandate also requires all member banks establish a pass-through digital dollar wallet to all customers eligible for the stimulus. Member banks include those banks that are members of the Federal Reserve, which means basically most of your banks in your city, uh, member banks include those banks that are members of the Federal Reserve and regulated by the uh, Fed. Additionally, non-member state banks, those that are not members of the Federal Reserve and regulated by the FDIC, could opt in, could opt in to offer pass-through digital dollar walls as well. Um, so the Federal Reserve is going to make more digital wallets available, and a digital wallet would also work in people's ATMs. We have some private people, Daniel Gorfin of Gattaca Horizons. Uh, he's working on the digital dollar project. said to Forbes, it is worth exploring, testing, and piloting a true U.S. CBDC, CB digital currency. I don't know what CB is. Central bank, a central bank digital currency and broader digital infrastructure in order to improve our future capabilities and resiliency. Uh, and it is also important that this effort not delay the government from deploying critical emergency funding using existing channels during the crisis. While the crisis underscores the importance of upgrading our financial infrastructure, broadly implementing a central bank digital currency, or CBDC, will require time and thoughtful consideration between the government and private sector stakeholders. Another proponent says, hey, yeah, I kind of like this idea. And there are 63 million people that are unbanked or underbanked in the U.S., if checks are the form of payment, the stimulus is not going to reach many of them. That would be approximately $100 billion underutilized of stimulus for lower-income households. And they say other things. And here is the actual bill on PDF. So basically what they're saying is, hey, you want your stimulus check? You get your digital currency. You get your digital wallet. Sign up here. You don't sign up with a digital wallet. You don't get your money. And it appears this is getting gutted. Well, that's good. <clears throat> uh, yes, uh, can I say something, please, regarding the yeah, sure, go ahead. Uh, uh, stimulus package? I mean, I don't, it's very tough even get it because they want you to. Uh, you know, even if you don't owe any taxes or seniors or certain category people, and they want them to file anyway the tax return, and then based on that, they will give them uh, each uh, 1200 
uh, dollars. I so so this is the biggest uh, and and and. and they keep saying the checks will go out in two months uh, from now, but then it says when I will get my checks. Checks are supposed to be produced uh, ASAP, but you you don't get it in two months. But how big my check will be? Twelve hundred per adult and married people twenty four hundred, and if you have a child, uh, you you get five hundred each. But then. They say, uh, in order to get it, you have to file your taxes. So I don't get it. So uh, do you get it or you don't get it? And yes, if you well, get yeah, it. You had, to have, yeah, you, you had to have filed your taxes, I believe, in 2017, 2018, or, or 2018. Yeah, you had to have filed your 2017 and 18 taxes, I think. Okay. <clears throat> Many people, they don't file because they, are, they don't owe any taxes or anything, you know, like seniors or what you call disabled or many categories. Uh, so they don't. So so those, they don't see any dying? That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know there's a lot of folks uh, who were, you know, had, had issue with that. You know, it, it says you should have a social security, of course, but... I mean, uh, for inside the United States, I'm talking North America. Uh, is my uh, check taxable? No, of course. But what if I expecting a refund in 2019? Then you will be, uh, you will not be affected by a stimulus check. So, I mean, they put a lot of uh, BS on top of it. So it's still confusing up to today to see who gets it, who doesn't get it. I mean, why not other people don't get it? For example, I said, you know, many seniors, uh, you know, because right now the price gotching in North America is too much. I mean, they know that people are looking for certain food, etc. And uh, everything, everything they say right now is 200%. The companies, I mean, uh, in North America, they have increase their prices 200% regardless. So what the, what senior citizens have to do or disabled or many other category people, I mean, or, or ordinary people even, I mean, they're supposed to do. And, you know, will anybody see this check? That's the question mark. Go ahead, please. If I may chime in on that. Um, yeah, go ahead, only be a few minutes in, in, in response to that. Uh, in all honesty, uh, ever since uh, the federal mandates were issued last week uh, for the 15-day uh, assessment, which uh, the Trump administration said, you know, shut down, uh, you know, almost everything for 15 days to make an assessment, uh, Trump has made it very clear that he has taken unprecedented uh, actions that no other president in history has taken regarding a pandemic and extending the relief to those affected by the coronavirus. Uh, so he's basically talking about people who were working and corporations who, and companies who uh, hire a lot of people. Uh, you know, they are the engine of, of, uh, of the economy. They always have been, small businesses and corporations. Uh, so basically, he's trying to make it applicable to those who are harmed by the coronavirus. He's not trying to create more debt uh, and take out more money uh, 
uh, which would have to be paid back later uh, to address other people that have not been impacted by the coronavirus. For example, senior citizens who are already on Social Security who are not working or people who are on some form of disability who are not working prior to this. Um, and so he, he is making sure that it's just about the people who are affected. Um, you know, so, 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 it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fair to say to those who were already collecting disability checks and weren't working or to senior citizens who were uh, just surviving off of Social Security to say, hey, you know, we're just going we're, we're to spread the money uh, like the Democrats would like to do and just give it to everyone. I mean, if we, if we keep on going on that uh, unsustainable pathway, we'll just become like Europe today, which their socialist policies have put them in economic freefall. So what he's tried to do from day one is try to address those who have been adversely affected by the coronavirus. Uh, and right now, who's holding up, uh, who's holding America hostage is the Democratic Party who wanted to include so many other provisions into the bill that had nothing whatsoever to do with uh, people impacted by the coronavirus, which, by the way, about 20 minutes ago, the Senate actually passed phase three of the 883-page uh, uh, $2 trillion uh, package. And now it's going to go back to the House of Representatives, and they're supposed to have a vote in on Friday. So to answer your question, it wouldn't be fair for it to go to everybody. Um, it would only be fair for it to go to people who were affected by uh, or impacted by the virus. Um, and also it would be reckless on the part of the president as well if he were to start you know, taking money and saying, I'm just going to give it to everyone, period. Uh, and I'll defer back to you, Robert. We keep oh, real, real, real quick, Jason, hold on, Mike, Mike, hold on a second. Um, so, is it only affecting the people who've been like laid off, or is it only the people who are, are going to, now going to be collecting unemployment? Or let's say, for instance, I'm still working, and so I, I my, uh, I work in an industry that's been designated as uh, an, an essential business, so they can't. I mean, they can't close the doors. Um, now, I'm not working from the office. I'm actually working from home. I'm, I have the capabilities of, uh, of doing that, doing what I do um, from home. So I've been doing this just since, like, Thursday of last week. And so now for people who are, are still working or have they been designated an essential uh, an essential business, I mean, are they part of the folks who are getting the money or no? Yes. So there's, there's a lot of people out there who are who are still working. If you're working, no, you don't no. receive so, anything. It's for if you're unemployed or if you're furloughed, it's for businesses that um, have have been deemed not essential to be open, uh, to be able to maintain their employees. Also essential because if you're not, if you have your business open, like we were talking earlier, you can't, you don't have customers to come in, but you got employees to pay because they showed up to work. So, but as far as if you're working. Um, right now, and you're on that list of essential workers, then um, no, then you don't receive anything. It's only for those that are affected by the coronavirus, and you wouldn't be affected if you're working. Uh, yes, uh, I have a question. Uh, you know, uh, how we are going to differentiate who's affected, who's not affected? I mean, we see especially millions of seniors uh, and well, well, are impacted. Well, if you're affected, you would file an unemployment for unemployment, and then that would be 
then you would be so on they, that list. Yeah, we, yeah, they they really need to they really need to explain this law better. They really do because mm-hmm. it's like, well, wait a minute. It's, it's, what they're touting this is, what they're touting this is that every, you know everyone who filed their taxes between seven. Now, and I, 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 I've reserved the right to be wrong, but through my understanding, what they're touting this as is that for everyone who has uh, filed taxes for the 17, 18 year, gets 1,200 per person and 24 per married couple, and then 500 dollars mm-hmm. per person. Under under the age of sixteen and under, mm-hmm. through my understanding. Yeah. Now, what I'm assuming. Go ahead. And and so I I guess maybe another criteria is that you're 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 not working or you're part of the non-essential group. Uh, but on that, but the people who are laid off are not a part of the non-essential group. They're already getting their full pay, and it sounds like this bill even more than what their full pay is. Then, you know, so, so they're getting. So uh, now, are they going to get the unemployment and they get the? Let's say they're a, a, a single person. So let's say they're going to get unemployment and then twelve hundred dollar check from the government on top of that. No, their unemployment will be extended to four months instead of the traditional three. No, no, I I, I heard that. But, but who, who, get, who gets his individual checks? That's what I. That's what I'm not understanding. Is who are the yeah. people who are going to get those twelve hundred dollar checks? I agree with you, Robert. It has not been clearly articulated, uh, and also uh, with by the administration. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm confused as well on it as well. Um, it, it has Everybody, not been clearly yes, articulated. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, I have a question. I mean, for Suzette, Suzette, do you, are you going to get your twelve hundred and plus? You have a couple of kids, I think uh, you told us before. So, so uh, I mean, are you guys say uh, two, uh, twelve hundred, twenty-four hundred plus a couple of kids, say thousand? So you're getting thirty-four hundred. And how are you getting that? Can well, you give us- my my kids are grown and they have their own family, so it's just my husband and myself. But right now, I'm an essential worker because I work in a hospital, and my husband would be considered non-essential, but um, but he's still working, and and so we would qualify. Okay, so 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 you don't have to do anything. So the check right. comes in two months from now. Right. Yeah. Well, we won't get a check. Um, but yeah, we don't. If we continue working, yeah, we just keep working. <laughs> we don't get it. We don't get any money. <laughs> so, so you don't get it, well, or you well, get the, it? Well, so yes. Yeah, so see, this is where I got a problem with this. This is where I yeah. got a problem. So the people who have positioned themselves, you know, to. Uh, you know, here's what I think the fair thing would be is basically if you were working and you were paying taxes, uh-huh. then you should get some. You know, you, 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 I mean, you know, I'm not saying we should get handouts, you know, but, but my thing is, is, you know, we paid all these tax dollars. And if this is supposed to be tax dollars coming back uh, uh, to people, then why aren't the people who work getting that when it's only getting to people who have already worked? I mean, I mean, who you know, who are un, who are already getting unemployment. So that's why well, I asked earlier: Are the people who are getting unemployment are they getting in on top of the unemployment they're already going to get? You no, know, my understanding sense. is they. My understanding is that if you're unemployed and you file unemployment, then you're going to get an extended uh, 
extended unemployment as far as an, an additional month, but you're not going to get a check. Um, and I don't know how, I guess if you, they know who paid taxes in 2018, apparently through the IRS. And so they'll, they'll send checks um, through the IRS to people. But if you're still working and this is where the humanitarian thing comes in and, and where we all need to work together because those who have not, uh, because they've been, you know, not by their own fault, have been mm-hmm. unemployed, <laughs> you know, can't work. But, uh, maybe they still have a job, but the, the fact that their bar or restaurant or gas station or whatever is closed, um, they need to eat and to survive. And for us that are still working, well, we should just be blessed that we're able to work and help others um, at, during yeah, this time. So, but, <laughs> but, but, and, 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 I, and I get that. And I get that, but that that for me that kind of comes into the same thing, and it kind of sounds what that kind of sounds familiar to me. This is why I hate the government giving anybody any money anytime. You know, I mean, because I I agree with unemployment because you've earned it, you've earned unemployment. So I I get unemployment, you've earned that. But that's Uh like saying, Rob, that's like saying, Robert, you make enough money because I work my ass off. Okay, I you make enough money so that you can, and this is a reality. You know, you can. That, that's what people tell me. It's like, well, you should feel. I hate that you should feel fortunate. You should feel blessed. It's like I positioned myself to be in a company that would be considered a, you know, uh, you know, an essential industry. Okay, I positioned mm-hmm. myself that way. Okay, and it kind of reminds me of the people who come to, who say when they they come to that logic, and it, it's always been a, a thorn in my side. Well, well, Robert, you make enough money, and and again, because I work my ass off, they don't say that, but it's because I work my ass off. Sometimes working two part time jobs and a full time job, you know, like during the summer and during the school year. So, so you make enough where you can send your child to a public to a to a private school. You can afford that. But you should pay for the meals and the education for other people's children because you can yes. afford it. Exactly. Bullshit. Yes. Hold on. Hold on, Mike. In my, in my view, that's bullshit because why yes. am I responsible? Okay, why is it my responsibility to not only pay for my child's education and food, to pay for someone else's child? And their and their you know and their education. I, as someone who's paying taxes and paying for my own child to go to a private school, I should get a tax break because the, the my tax dollars is going to something that frankly isn't benefiting me. I'm not getting a benefit now. You know we all do that, but but you know with with something or another. But for someone to, to actually come to me and say, now I'm not saying you see that, but I mean, because I've had people say that stuff to me. Oh, well, you should feel fortunate. It's like, no, it's not that I'm fortunate. It's that I position myself. I, I position myself that way. Okay, and, and so and, that's why I don't Robert, like the whole they, fortunate thing. Go ahead, go ahead. There were actually provisions initially to extend tax credits. Uh, to people such as yourself, Robert, in, in the That's what I thought bill. it was, yeah. There was. No, there was, but, but that was killed on the floor, and the concessions that the Republicans had no choice but to roll over on, uh, which $25 million to the Kennedy Center, uh, a couple of other things on the list, that money was designed 
to go to give tax credits. That was Trump's original proposal. That was shot down. And so that extra money that was designed to be allocated had the Democrats just voted based, not on partisan lines, just would have put the, the interest of the American people first and foremost. Instead, that extra money that, that Trump had initially proposed is now going to uh, fund these oh, tech projects, for the, which I, I agree with you, Robert. It's a travesty, but it's the only way they could get uh, it was the only way they it was the only way they had to pass this bill because it was either this or they would have to hold up the economy for another few weeks in gridlock and that's how, that that's how it, sad it is and like you said Robert at the beginning of the show this will come back to bite the Democrats in the worst way it will and it will soon and people are going to wreak havoc for for this and this will never be forgotten this will be a stain on the party that will forever live in infamy and I'll go back to you Robert. Yes, uh, can I say something? Yeah, no, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, thanks, uh, thank okay, Joseph. Thank go you ahead, Mike. You know, uh, yes, I see that the Senate is passed. Now it's going to tomorrow to Nancy Pelosi, etc., to uh, pass it. But I think they they say that we have a still negotiating, and because this is not exactly what we wanted to happen. But I see they said now 1,200 to many Americans. You remember even last night or few before even one, a couple of weeks ago, they said 1,200 to every American. You see, now the language has changed to many Americans. So now we understand mm-hmm. when, when they say many Americans. Now how they decide uh, who will be in category of many Americans, you know, it's it's just uh, as uh, Sir Robert said, it's BS, and I accept it. Well, and I think and I think Suzette, uh, you know, explained the categorization of who's actually gonna, who's actually going to get the the money, you know, which you know, again, uh, I mean, I, unfortunately, I don't have the power to do anything about it except you know say some things on, you know, on the show. But I just I, I just I just think it's backwards. I mean, I do. It's like so. Basically, you're getting the people who, you know, basically you're taking more of my money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. It just drives me nuts. It seems like, it, it, you know what? Here's what I think. Here's here's how I think. I think the people who are working are the people getting penalized. So because I've got it, you know, that that that's how I think about that is. The thing of that is like so the people who are still working are getting penalized for working. And and that never seems to that never seems to ring right to me. It, it, I would think, you know, and I get you you help people out and this and that. And I'm not saying those people shouldn't. I, I don't think that those I'm not saying these people shouldn't get any funds to help them out. Certainly. We do need to help people out because we don't want people, you know, be starving, being living on the streets, losing their homes. You know, not be able to continue with their education. I'm not saying they, that the folks shouldn't get that. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that it doesn't—it uh, it doesn't seem right to me that I get penalized, and, and those in those in the same position that I'm in are penalized. Whereas the you know, there's people who are getting things, and I know this happens all the time, but I can still bitch about it on my own show. 
<laughs> is that yeah. and I rarely call it that, so I apologize. But I, you know, I, I, no, Kelly, no. you know that I rarely say my show. But but the thing you is, get an incentive something back. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's something. I mean, I mean, it's like look. So basically, I feel like okay, now I'm getting screwed again. That, frankly, I mean, that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, here we go. I'm getting screwed again. You know, because I'm not poor. You know, I'm not wealthy. But I'm, as I said many times on the show, I'm as middle class as middle class gets. And, mm-hmm. you know, but because I, you know, I make a middle class income and then I work more so that I have more money so that I could do other things. Again, as I mentioned earlier, send my you know, kid to a private school and be able to do things, yeah. you know, you know, for. But the thing is, that's because I work my ass off. I don't get that from anybody. OK. And, you know, I work, you know, every I mean, for, during the summer, I literally work every single day for three months. No, or four or whatever during the summer. Every day, I work Monday, Sunday through Saturday for three months. Every day straight, I'm doing some type of work, and because I do that, I can do the things that I do. And to be honest, it pisses me off when people can work their five damn days a week, and then you know, and then something like this comes up, and I'm like, damn, I pay all these damn taxes, you know, and and then as you mentioned. Uh, Joseph, that you know there was a, a ta- you know a tax credit that was in there that could go back to the people you know who are contributing to society by paying taxes, you know, and we we again we get screwed. And again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't get the funds. I'm just saying that it just seems like the people it always comes back to the people who were the ones who are contributing to society with their funds are always the ones who end up getting screwed. But again, I mean, I'm just going off on my soapbox, but that's just how I feel about that. I'm like, yeah, if you're going to, you know, it just, it does. It, it's, it's, I don't have a lot of pet peeves, but, but that's certainly one of them. I mean, I know that some people may disagree with that, but anyway. But I do feel uh, uh, gosh darn it, I need another hour. Go ahead, go ahead to that. Well, we're going to do closing comments before I have to close things out. Um, each person's probably got about uh, a minute before I have to close things out uh, for the night. Um, with what we going on live. We'll start with you, Suzanne. Go ahead. I just wanted to, to jump on your soapbox there and say it would be nice to, to be rewarded for the efforts that we make, you know, since we're essential workers, to, to give a, be given a, an extra tax break, you know, or something like that at the end of the year that wouldn't, you know, hurt the system too much. But yet, um, you know, it's 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 a reward for for doing the right thing, you know, finishing yourself in <laughs> in the right uh, job and, and, and economic stature. So I don't know. Um, I don't really have too much else to, to add as far as for my closing statement other than everybody stay well and um, and God bless. Yeah, and, and piggyback on that real quick for the last, those last 20 seconds, and, and then I'll uh, bring it over to you, Joseph. As I mean, I, I know everyone can't be, you know, positioned there. I know some th- – I think why, you know, where – you know, people are for one one reason or another fallen to, you know, or are able to get to that point, you know, where they're in an essential industry or whatever. And you know, so I know those things are happening. That's why, and that's why I'm saying, I, I'm not saying people shouldn't get get the assistance to, you know, do find themselves there. Um, you know, but anyway, I'm just repeating myself, and I hate when I do that. Go ahead, Joseph. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I'll be quick. And no, I'll, Joseph, go ahead, Joseph. 
Yeah, I'll be quick and wrap it up. Uh, I don't think it's fair for anyone who's unemployed, including myself, to be receiving more than I was earning. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I I think the tax credits uh, that were initially proposed were more than fair. And at the end of the day, this is not uh, this is not trying to politicize it, but this is not the Republicans doing. They are not the ones who proposed doubling the uh, rate of unemployment to be higher than the actual salary of the affected uh, uh, workers who've been laid off or fired due to the coronavirus. And also uh, all these, um, um, you know, all this pork that was still put in the bill, um, all of that that could have been spread around equally uh, to give uh, fair people and hardworking people such as yourself the tax credits you so so much deserve, uh, well, that money is now going to be allocated to, uh, you know, uh, fund the pet uh, projects of the Democratic mm-hmm. Party that has nothing to do with the coronavirus. And I don't have much more time. I want to give everyone else the floor. But uh, hopefully we can discuss this uh, next week and pick it up and see where things go. And Suzette oh, and um, Kelly and uh, my friend from here? Singapore, a pleasure having you. Uh, and Thank always you. a pleasure to be on the show with you. God bless and take care. Well, hold on, Mike, because we're doing our closing comments, and we'll get you in I just uh, real quick. And, yeah, Joseph, you know, I appreciate it, and I hope those things, uh, you know, pick up. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, as I said earlier in the show, is that I'm hoping that we're able to get people, everybody back to work. Hey, I, I'd like to go to a bar. <laughs> so I'd like to be able to, uh, uh, to do that. So, I, I mean, in certain, I hate to hit see that these people are not working and that's I know that's tough. I mean there was a, a time that, you know, I, I was uh, laid off for you know for a period of time. And I did you know, I did odd things here and there, you know, to make you know, to to make up for some things, but you know, kind of bar a barter system of sorts that I did some years ago. Uh but anyway, uh go go ahead and because we are running out of time. I wish we had another hour, but go ahead, Kelly, and then We'll give it to you, uh, each person, again, a minute. Uh, and then Kelly, and then you, Mike, and then I do have to close things out. Go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I did a little more research. <clears throat> There's estimates that uh, the peak in America for the coronavirus will be probably reached in two to three weeks. So Trump's uh, Easter prediction may not happen. Uh, but we shall see when you have uh, the malaria drug, which again is a tablet you can take, um, getting phenomenal success, uh, we could see things change. And then, of course, the political fallout, the political agenda, the game show, uh, how do politicians respond? You know, why not work for the best interest of the, of the American people? Jeez. So, you know, America has, has it figured out who's a decent politician, who's not. In difficult times like this, we'll show the color, we'll show, we'll, we'll show the metal of uh, the character of our politicians, and hopefully these tough times will bring about uh, a better result for America. Back to you. Thank you very much, oh, Kelly. I appreciate safe. it. Yeah, we'll certainly be stay safe. up with the next be week. Safe, be, happy. Ahead, uh... be safe, be happy, eat oregano leaves. Uh, see you next week. See you next week. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, I appreciate the platform you've given me uh, to be part of your 
Uh, sure, indeed, and thank you, Sudha. Thank you, uh, John, and uh, of course, host uh, there, Mr. Robert, and uh, uh, everybody else on the line. You know, uh, we may uh, start at the first years ago, maybe a little bit rough, but now we are all coming together uh, because the importance is our beloved country, and we have to be united. Regardless of uh, you know uh, political gender or race, religion, etc., to uh, unite. Otherwise, we all, uh, according to um, uh, Thomas Wilson, I think uh, Jefferson said, uh, Jefferson said that either we hang together or we hang separately. So we have no choice to be unite and. Uh, uh, unity has a greater power than disunited. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. Of course, we'll have to close things out, as I do every night, and that is with the song from Aubrey Ashburn. And we will see you next week, folks. Uh, and have a good night and have a great week. And, again, yes, everyone, be safe. Take care. Good night. Good night. God bless. Mm-hmm.